Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Oh, yeah, it is here. Happy football season, everybody. Jacksonville, Florida. There are some players at Jags headquarters. Really have been some players for the last week or so, including Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, and uh, now the rookies and quarterbacks have reported. And they needed to be here by today. Next up, the veterans on Wednesday, and then they'll hit the field. So you know all about that. We've been talking a lot about that. We've been hyped for it. Can't wait for it. But now it's uh, officially here. But bigger than football season. we got plenty of time, like the next six months, to talk about that. Austin Lane now undefeated. Yeah. As ESPN 690 radio host. 2-0. Runs the record to 2-0. and Oh, <laughs> oh thanks, Cruz. Right on time for once, too, man. Appreciate it. Coos, did you break up a wedding this weekend? <laughs> I didn't break up a wedding. I went to one. <laughs> it was in Kansas City, right? Uh, St. Louis. St. Louis. That's okay. Close, though. Close to Kansas City. Did you get any barbecue? No barbecue. Missing out, Girlfriend's man. not a fan of barbecue. Whoa. There's a St. Louis that I hadn't heard of, according to uh, Coos. I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But first, your fight. That's what's uh, top of the slate today. (laughs) All right, yeah. Hey, this wasn't an easy one. Not an easy one. That was a big fella you had to face, Cam Graham. As you can tell by my face, it wasn't an easy one, man. But those make for the best fights, I guess. So it went good. I I got the victory. Is this... The best, uh, uh, is this the biggest pounding you've taken? Uh, in a like in a, in an actual cage, yeah. I mean, I, I've been pretty beat up sparring before, but for, as far as um, a pounding like in the cage, yeah, probably. You know, eyes a little jacked up, um, the the ears a little swollen. So, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll see if they get cauliflower here. I'm mean, pretty bummed if they get cauliflower because you know what they call cauliflower, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So we'll see if I get that. I was I, watching a fight the other night and uh, the the guy's cauliflower ear burst. Yeah. You know? I saw that. <laughs> Who was that? That was uh, um. Uh, gosh, now I can't think of it. It was a good fight. Went five yeah, rounds. I didn't have the sound on, but I know exactly. Yeah. It was uh, Javier D- 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 Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Dos Anjos. And the yeah. other kid fought a great fight. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's my expertise. L- L- Leon Edwards. No, th- thanks for doing some homework, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was watching. Steph's like, are you watching this because of Austin? I was like, well, basically, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, you know what, then? Hey, it's but it was happy. entertaining. I was watching golf this weekend, too, so I hope you're happy, man. <laughs> you were getting in trouble. I'm trying to, mid-wedding, I mean, they're, they're coming in dancing. I'm trying to find the, the stream link to watch Austin fight. Nicole hits me. I'm sitting up there with <laughs> the bridesmaids. Nicole's like, stop being on your phone. I was like, Austin's about to fight. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I was trying it, to find it, too, and I couldn't. No, I had some trouble. I had trouble finding it, yeah. but I was in Savannah and, and couldn't find it. And then uh, Stuart clued me, and Stuart always knows how to find it. By the way, when in doubt, call Stuart. Stuart. Knows what's All up. right, take us through the fight, man, because yeah. you told us on Friday there was some drama that built, right? Yeah, Cam there Brand was didn't a... Make- the weight didn't make the weight. Yeah, so there's there a lot of drama actually. So yeah, let's go through Friday. Uh, we go to the weigh-ins and they're early morning weigh-ins. So uh, it was anywhere from nine to twelve. I showed up about eleven thirty because didn't have to cut any weight. wasn't too worried about it. Weighed in at two forty-three, um, and my opponent uh, didn't make the the weight, and he weighed in at his first time. It was two seventy. 
Um, and then the max we could weigh is 265. He reweighed in again. It was 269. So we agreed that I would take some of his purse, some of his fight purse. And then there had to be a weight cap of 280 pounds the next day. So basically that means when he shows up to the venue to fight, he can't weigh more than 280. So uh, that's what I had to go on. And then um, that night I actually got some really horrible news. Uh, well, actually in the next morning. So around 2.30, I get a text message from, from my dad. And um, long story, but me and my dad don't really talk that much, all right? And uh, I saw the text message. Basically said that my, my uncle, who was um, battling cancer, passed away. And uh, my uncle was a guy I was super close with um, out of the dad's side of my family. Uh, really, my uncle's the only guy I actually ever really spoke with and everything. And my uncle was a big supporter when I played football, even in college. He'd come to all my games, uh, and he was a big supporter uh, in, in MMA as well. So um, found that out at 2.30. Needless to say, didn't do a lot of sleeping after that. Yeah. So um, Sorry to hear no, that. No, I appreciate it, yeah. Uh, it's kind of a rough ordeal. Um, it's, it's cancer, man. It's, it's a rough thing. You know, what are you going to do? But, um, battle in a while. Uh, he'd been battling a little bit, you know, and I guess it's one of those things where you're kind of naive because I mean, I grew up with him, so I knew how tough he was. I'm like, oh yeah, he'll, he'll beat that. No problem. And unfortunately it didn't pan out that way, but, um, you know, obviously, um, I miss him and I love him very much, but, uh, so I had to deal with that. So woke up at two 30, didn't go back to bed until about six 37, Woke up about two hours later and just uh, not 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 the best headspace. And keep in mind, my pa- my mom was staying at the same hotel I was, so I saw her the next morning. Um, didn't really want to talk to her about it just because you know I I didn't want to get into that whole thing, especially with the fight coming up. I mean, uh, as selfish as that, that may sound, I would want to stay focused and everything. So we didn't really touch on it too much. I uh, got to the venue, you know, and I, I was in an okay headspace. And um, at this point, we got to the venue around 530. Uh, my opponent, like I said, had a 280-pound weight cap. Um, and it's not my job to weigh him in, so I, I didn't really care. I'm focusing for the fight now. And my coach, um, you know, wanted to see him weigh in. And apparently, he weighed in earlier without us seeing. Um, and my coach was like, okay, just weigh in again, and we'll make sure. Well, this time when he weighed in, he was like 288 pounds. Jeez. Uh, so yeah, for a cap of two eighty, and really yeah. supposed to be two sixty five. Yeah, well, and that's fine. Like once you weigh in the, the first day, you can you weigh, can get as much as you want. That's right. Yeah. But like my coach is a little upset just because you know he weighed in like a two eighty eight, and it's like well you really put seven something pounds on, and then span of how you know in the span of a couple hours. So it was whatever. I mean you know it was just one of those distractions that we weren't really worried about. Um. So by the time that the fight started, I was in the cage. Uh, listen, I, I kind of I told you on the show, I think it was on Thursday, where I kind of said I had an idea where the fight was going to go um, once I saw how do you how do you act and everything. Um, what I didn't anticipate was him taking me down because of all the footage that I've seen of him. He wasn't necessarily the best guy on the ground. Well, dude was working on his wrestling a little bit, his grappling, because he actually tripped me and took me down. And usually when I get on my back, I can tie, you know, put somebody off me. Um, this time was a little, it was probably a little more hard than yeah. I was used to. Oh, well, you're giving up that, 45 yeah, pounds. That was accustomed to. That was accustomed to. So, um, I was stuck on the bottom a little bit, took a couple shots. Um, I, I kind of have a bread and butter of some transitions that I'm not going to bore you with with jujitsu talk, but basically I set him up with a, with a submission on his arm. Um, he countered that. And I knew once you countered that, then you can try to transition um, where I'd be on top. That's exactly what happened. So everything we worked for there went fine. Um, I was on top then, ground and pound, ground and pound. The the, the bell rang at the round one. Go back to the stool. I'm feeling fine. You know, I'm feeling good. Um, he, I can tell he's starting to get a little fatigued, a little winded. Second round comes out. I throw a couple kicks at him, try to stay long. 
But, of course, me being the the opportunity guy that I am, I, I go in and try to beat him up on the inside, uh, hit him with an uppercut. He came back, landed a couple shots on me. And then uh, I went for a takedown. Didn't work out too well. He landed on top of me. I counted it again and then finished up with some ground and pound. And I ended up winning the fight uh, in the second round then. But, I mean, it was a it was a battle back and forth. You know I mean? I, I took some shots, and especially being on the bottom, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, you just got to wait till the opening presents itself. And you may have to take some shots in doing so, but it's okay. And that's what I did, you know. Yeah. And um, it, it was a good learning experience, um, a lot of adversity. And then obviously after the fight, then I just kind of uh, was super emotional and kind of just lost all control. And gonna be honest, kind of bawled my eyes a little bit, you know. So I gave a shout out to my to, to, to my uncle. Um, on the microphone and everything. Sorry, didn't get the ESPN 690 shout out nah. this time, unfortunately. Oh, John's more important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, man, it was a great win. I got to share with my family that was there. That was cool. And, uh, yeah, the, the show goes on. So, did you, the fact that you took as many punches as you did, though, yeah. I mean, and you, you, feel, you felt it. Oh, yeah, uh, I felt the, it And you're still time. feeling it, probably. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that almost a good thing though to Absolutely. be able to take? Because you oh, kind of excited because yeah. you can get like you always talk about it. Like in the heavyweight division, it takes one punch. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and, and but you took more than one punch. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was funny. Like after the fight, uh, after I gave my you know my speech or whatever, I went up to my coach or one of one of my corner men. I'm like, dude, is my eye bleeding? He's like, yeah, it's it's a little swollen, man. I'm like, nice, because like that's really the first time. And <laughs> listen, I mean, I, I've had losses before, but out of those losses, it was just a one punch thing where the guy kind of loaded up and um i got clipped uh this time it felt pretty cool though because i actually have something to show for it you know it's actually like I, i've been in a fight i'm gonna be honest man so so that was pretty cool there is um, that element now you know be honest, if you're though, like in high school and college and you're chasing the girls yeah and you get like dinged up you get something especially in the face yeah, yeah. like it becomes a bit of a badge of honor oh yeah for now, sure you're yeah. in a different part of your life right now so yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, get, I, I don't really I, care I, but i get I'm what married. you're saying yeah though, yeah yeah right yeah. i mean it's a little bit of a badge no, of honor it is, man. Like, i wanted you to come in here with the rocky glasses on <laughs> see my mentality is like get through the fight with as little getting hit as possible yeah, that would and be me too yeah, I'd like to that's stay the pretty, point usually or as pretty as i can be yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the point but you know what like i mean uh, i kind of felt the, the adversity a little bit so uh, i took great pride in kind of coming back because there's a little bit where i was against the ropes yeah, as I was say, say, you know? were you close no, no. I mean, like, as far as, like, consciousness, I was fine. Um, I knew I was taking damage, and as soon as the ref said, like, you, you guys start fighting back, I'm like, all right, I better get off my back and start doing something here. Oh, so, so he actually said that to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I heard the ref, and it was cool because I could hear my cornerman and everything, too. Like, you got to get up. I'm like, all right, cool. And, um, you know, my coach is super impressed with how I responded to all the stuff that he said to me. It's amazing, you know. I mean, we fought in this bar called The Moon. Um, you know, and maybe like a couple thousand people there. I'm not sure the exact. Not uh, your typical bar thing. fight. No, not your typical <laughs> bar fight. But um, it, it's amazing through like all this screaming. The only guy I could hear was my coach. You know, That's it's kind of yeah. funny how you can kind of pinpoint him out a little bit. But I will say this though. Um, yeah, the next morning I was sore. Like once once that gentleman wears off, uh, I'm sore and uh, I was a little swelled up and had some, you know, I had some cuts and some blood. So like walking out around in public. People were kind of looking at me a little yeah. bit, and then like, last night, me and my wife, we went to dinner and like probably got some looks there, like, <laughs> is everything okay at home, like, you know, stuff like that, yeah. so uh, I take that into account, but yeah, overall, it was a good experience. That's good. Uh, one last question for yeah, you. Yeah. Was this guy better than you thought? Uh, no. Um, better? No. Because uh, I knew he was tough. You know, I don't think he's ever been finished before. So I knew he was going to be tough. Um, way more than I expected, I'll say this. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it, I don't take any opponent lightly, regardless of their record. And, you know, this guy was 2-0. and And according to some people and some websites, actually ranked higher than I was. 
Uh, so he was he was up there in the rankings. So no, I didn't think he was going to be a slouch by any means. I knew he was going to be legit. And uh, yeah, that's what he was. Nice article on you in the Tallahassee Democrat, I think it is. Yeah, uh, that's right? cool. Uh, yeah. Which is good. And yeah. uh, a decent crowd over there. Yeah, great crowd. Good Absolutely, crowd. yeah. And now we, well, who knows? It's early, but yeah, what's yeah. next? Uh, hopefully another fight in a couple months in the fall. or so. Yeah, in the fall, most likely. And maybe, maybe around here? You uh, never know that. that yeah, uh, it's hard to say right now, but that would be ideal. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, keep it in the backyard if you can. Yeah. So, well, congratulations on the win. Yeah, thank you. Uh, way to take a punch out. I, I, I don't know if I want to look at you all day like this, or maybe if I should give you some of my shades. I mean, I think I have some shades in the car if you want to put them on, man. Rocky music when we come back. Nice. How about some football talk when we come back, too, and uh, a big weekend to catch up on uh, as, really, it's the last weekend without football. And I want to football games next week, but the last weekend without football. We don't have to make stuff up anymore, in other words. No. Uh, not that we have to. Where's the latest? Is Yannick Ngakwe going to report? What you got feeling a couple of days from report day? Uh, Telvin Smith, is he definitely not coming back? Those are questions we've asked for a long time. Now that we're here, is is it reality? So uh, some of those questions, what else is up with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Heard good things already today when I was over there about Nick Foles back at it. Uh, and the Jags will be on the field in a few days. Thanks for hanging with us. It's football season. We've been waiting more than six months for this. Hope you have, too. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. The toughest radio show in town. Yeah, you better believe it. At least one part of it. <laughs> I hope you had a good weekend. Shane Lowry, the Open Championship winner. There was really not a lot of drama there, although finally we got a little weather on Sunday. Um, so I would say the most boring major of the year in golf, and now it's over. But did you see some of the video of him partying? No, I didn't see the partying the stuff. Now that I is not that's disappointing. what was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, Irishman wins in Northern Ireland. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's one of those deals where it was exactly what I thought it would be. Yeah. Like, I tweeted the video, retweeted the video today. I was like, this is exactly how I envisioned well, it. I mean, was, it was just like, I wanted to be there for that however long. It was so captivating <laughs> just to watch that crowd follow him up until Pretty 18. Deep. You know, like, I mean, they're all doing like the, the Olay chants and everything, you know, the Irish chants, and then um, literally people are just sprinting to try to get a good spot of him to watch the putt to win the win the tourney. Uh, it was a cool experience, man, and like, the, I don't know, there's something about just, I think, and I get the change courses, but like, that course just... It came through really well on my TV. Not, yeah. to, not to knock like Pebble Beach and the players and things like that, but it's something about when it's kind of rainy and it's kind of crappy outside and just like you're kind of in the mountains a little bit and I'm on the hills. Um, it was a cool scene, I thought. I'm a golf guy. I yeah. played with somebody last week. I played nine holes last week, and uh, a guy that I was playing with had played that course, Sure, uh, which was kind of cool. But I've always wanted to play Scotland, Scotland. Yeah. St. Andrews, any of those. I really, I don't have much a desire to go to a lot of places overseas, and but I want to do that. That's mm. definitely on the bucket list. Um, they say like Bandon Dunes in Oregon is you can almost go there and not have to go overseas. It's very similar okay. what they've created. But then I'll talk to some people. They say go play golf in Ireland because it's even better. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if that's true or not. But Ireland now becomes on the list, not just because of this tournament, just in general. It has been for a few years. Here's the thing about that scene with Shane Lowry, and he seems just like a good dude, you know, mm-hmm. good guy. 100 to 1 odds to win at the beginning of the week. <sighs> wow. Uh, which is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But that scene was not that different than Tiger Woods at the Tour Championship last year. Remember everybody coming up to sure. the last hole? Yeah. It was not that different, mm-hmm. but it will show you the power of Tiger versus yeah. just another golfer.
Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, in the grand scheme of things across the globe, Shane Lowry's just another golfer. In Ireland, he's a, he he's, might he's, be a big, he's big the man. man. Yeah. Well, I mean, Rory's the man, though. Okay, and yeah, Greg yeah. McDowell's the man, and Patty Harrington's the man. But I'm I mean, saying he's, now he's the man for a little man. bit. Yeah. But so it's it just showed you to me it was like, wow, that's a similar scene. Mm-hmm. Similar. I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but it was similar. And the story was different. Tiger hadn't won in so long. He's coming back. Um, but I, I thought it was kind of an, uh, neat to put both of them together and just it just reminds you how big the Tiger pull is. Of course, sure. that was in the States. That was in Atlanta when he did that last year. And then the other thing to think about is what just happened there is, oh, it's no different than, you know, a United States golfer winning in their own backyard in mm-hmm. the U.S. Open. You know, yeah. Uh, so it didn't. Well, where did where did Furyk win? Did Furyk win in Pennsylvania? I think he won in Pennsylvania. Gosh, I should know that. Um, but if it, it, like it didn't really feel like that though. I mean, the whole yeah. golf is so important over there, and, mm-hmm. and in that setting, and maybe because it was the one hundred to one odds, maybe it's the beard. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's the way he did it. I don't know. It just even I don't imagine a U.S. Open champ. Walking down the 18th with that kind of fanfare mm-hmm. as as happened yesterday for Lowry. And let me ask you this. And, you know, I, I looked back a little history and, you know, it kind of goes back and forth between Europeans and Americans. But do you feel like Europeans kind of have the advantage uh, at, the, at the British Open at all? Or Yeah, oh, I think they do when the yeah. weather comes in. When See, the comes a lot in, of times, you, like, three out of four days, it? the weather didn't come in. Sure. You know, Ricky Fowler was right there and yeah. Kepko was right there. And But I think, yes, in a day like that... Uh, if it was like that for four days, I, I think, I don't know what the record is. Uh, it's a great question to look back on. Say in the last 20 years, yeah. how many U.S., you know, like how many instance, I mean, so U.S. guys have won? Last year was um, Molinari, and then two years ago it was Jordan Spieth, and then it was Stenson from Sweden. So yeah. it kind of goes back but and forth. But think about it. It was Stenson and Mickelson played unbelievable yeah. and still lost. Tiger yeah. fin- played well last year, but lost. So yeah. it's not like they're not in the mix. It's no, not like sure. the whole leaderboard is, is European players. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. Well, let me ask you this. Are you Tommy Fleetwood believer now? Well, I mean, I, I mean, as far as not a believer, I, but I mean, do you believe he's going to win a major pretty soon? I think he will win a major. Yeah. And it'll be something like that. Yeah. You know, I picked Fleetwood. Fleetwood, uh, followers, my pick. Yeah. But I do this thing with Chris Ryer, one of the guys at the Jags. You got to pick a European golfer, an international golfer, and a uh, United States golfer. Sure. And Fleetwood was my European golfer. Okay. Followers, my pick to win. Yeah. And I had Matsuyama. He didn't make the cut as mm-hmm. my international guy. But uh, Fleetwood, good showing. Kepka right now, it won't get talked about enough, but, but he still finishes top five. Mm-hmm. Which means he was first place, second place, second place, fourth place in the majors. Consistent, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. And Fowler continues to knock on the door. Yeah. Uh, you know, Fowler got a bit of a bad break on the first hole, and, it, and then he had to rally, and then he fell off again. He wasn't going to – nobody else was going to win that event. Lowry played too well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still think Fowler's day is coming. And I think when the floodgate opens for Fowler, he might roll off like three and six okay. majors. You know, he might mm-hmm. win – three in a year and a half yeah he could do it i think he he might be the next guy to get hot and and, and, and win 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 from an age standpoint cause i don't know how old i could probably look this up real quick like Fowler, i mean because you know I, I remember him from being the kid that wore like the, the i know he's green. getting so, a little but, bit like, old. how old is Fowler now i mean uh, Fowler's probably 30 and like okay so in terms of that 30 years old i mean are you coming into your prime are you in your prime kind of past it because i mean I, I, golf's got to be different than any other, other sport where your prime can be dictated. I feel like it's a good question. Uh, I don't. I think it varies for guys. I mean, there's there have been guys that have great careers in their 30s. I think in major championships, I would say he's more coming into his prime because okay. he now has all this experience in the bank. Lowry, you know, lost, blew a four shot lead. I think in the U.S. Open a couple of years ago, and then he comes back this time and wins. Well, that experience helps you. 
So even the bad experiences help you. And I think Fowler sooner or later will push through. Uh, of course, he's participating in a, an era of golf where we have so yeah. many good golfers. So Fowler is 30 years old, by the way. Good call. Yeah, right and and another surprising age, too. Jordan Spieth, only 25 years old. That's it. Crazy. And Spieth yeah. had an okay week. Yeah. Uh, I saw a stat uh, this week, actually, which surprised me. Uh, what was it? <laughs> it was... Oh, they did separate years. Majors... Uh, Scored a par in major championships. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you think Tiger Woods would be number one, like with two th- year 2000? He yeah. was 53 under par in the four major championships combined. Yeah. Well, Jordan Spieth actually is number one on that list, 54 under par in 2015 during the major championship Dang. cycle. Dang. Wow. And, and uh, you know, other than Kepka's success the last couple of years, Fowler's next on the list of yeah. most successful in the major championships um, in, in relation to par. Hey, uh, we've had South Beach Gary hanging on the line. Probably wants to congratulate you on the fight. So uh, we say hello to South Beach Gary here on a Monday. Hope you had a good weekend, man. Yeah, you, you guys too. But yeah, the song of the day is going to be Come Monday by Jimmy Buffett. And yes, congratulations. I, I was I was thinking about you Saturday night rooting for you, Austin. I uh, thank you, man. You're I appreciate undefeated. that. You're undefeated now, right? No, no. I, I have a few losses on my belt. I, I've lost twice. Oh, okay. Yeah, we don't talk about those. So yeah, we, we, don't, we don't want to talk about those that much. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that was pre ESPN though, so they yeah, don't. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yes, correct. Hey, a couple of things, guys. I heard that the NFL contract. Is this right? Each team gets two hundred fifty-five million. So, so the just the television rights money alone covers all, every all the teams' operating expenses. So everything they get from ticket sales, suites, whatever, souvenirs, vendor money, whatever, all of that's going to be profit. Plus, I guess a few million left from the television. That's that's not a bad way to make a living. It's a hell of a business. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Listen, there's there are some thought there are thoughts, and this this is somewhat of an erroneous thought because of the context. But in terms of dollars, it's not. I don't think you could go. They would make money if you own an NFL team if you never put sold one season ticket, if you never sold one ticket because right. of what you just said. The TV dollars cover it. Yep. Now that's not a business model that anybody wants. To Which is why they stadium. can survive a strike and the players can't survive a strike. Absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, um, an owner that can survive a strike because most of it, they have other means. And right. also, they're not like playing in their prime like players are. You yeah. know, a player who's 25 years old wasted, sits out a year. Well, that's a, that's one heck of a, year that they have potentially on the football field and their earning power, their earning power in the NFL. I mean, most of the time is three to four years, you know, at the high end, it's, it might be a dozen years. So you, each year is so valuable to a player. Right. And quickly, one other thing, guys, I don't know if you guys discussed this, but during the SEC meeting days and, uh, Saban's blaming Kirby smart for wanting to go on the way out. He's the big, he's the head man. He gets the big money. I never saw any fans like Alabama. Every time they've lost, whether it be a championship game or all the way back to that, again, remember when they played Utah in the bowl game? Well, we didn't care about that because it wasn't a national championship. They never give the other team any credit at all. They got taken to the woodshed yeah, by did. Clemson, okay? Yeah, they did, and they. Uh, I think that's part of uh, sports How about sometimes. giving them a little bit of credit? Yeah, I, I'm sure along the way they have. Uh, thanks for the call, South Beach, Gary. Appreciate I'm not it. all fans, but a lot of them, Brian. Yeah, I get you. Uh, I'm, I got a, a reason for that, too, I think. Um, thanks, guys. Thank or, you. or at least a follow-up, too. Not really a reason. The one thing about last year's Alabama team that yeah. people don't want to talk about, but I remember talking about going into the playoff cycle, mm-hmm. is they had played nobody. 
Yeah. Go back to last year. Take a look at it. And I was remind. I, I wasn't reminded. I was thinking of this the other day, and I was like, you know, they played nobody last year. Even the teams that looked good on their schedule, they weren't very good. I mean, look at the rest of the West and how it shook out, and some of the teams in the East, and it just. Now they beat Georgia. Georgia was a somebody, so they got that win. And then to get to the championship game, obviously. So they still took care of business. I'm not saying, you know, I thought at times they were undeserving of getting in the yeah, Final Four. I mean, but throughout the course of the year. But they did. What was their schedule last year? Uh, start off with Louisville. Um, yeah, but Louisville stunk. It's not their fault. Arkansas State, obviously, they're good. Ole Miss, yeah. The intriguing one is Texas A&M. They're number 22 at the time. Texas A&M battled them pretty good. Well, but yeah, remember, A&M almost beat Clemson. True. So I mean that's a that's a, that's a big win, and then they kind of crushed them, forty five to twenty three. Uh, but then you got Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, LSU at the time was number four when they played. That them was a good win at LSU. And that was at LSU. They win. really dominated. I mean, it looked like LSU could have played for ten years and not yep. scored. Hosted Mississippi State when they're number eighteen uh, in the nation, beat them twenty four nothing. Then Citadel, Auburn, who was down last year. Uh, then they played Georgia yeah. in the championship game. So, uh, so, again, my point is, I remember talking a lot last year about, okay, they beat LSU. Good win. Yeah. Outside of that, I mean, when you're a 22nd-ranked team in college football, I hate <laughs> to tell you, but you've got no chance to win the national championship. So you're not really elite. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're an okay team. You're you're an above-average team. You're, you might be a pretty good team, but you're not even a very good team when you're 22nd in the country, most likely. So uh, I was just thinking of that the other day. And my point, I think they got exposed eventually. They, we yeah. don't know how good they were. They were good for the Georgia game. They were good to get to the championship game. But Clemson was just a better football team. That was it. Yeah, and they but, proved it. but behind a freshman quarterback. I mean, listen, when when that Clemson-Alabama game came around, I thought for sure Alabama was going to have Clemson's number. I'm like, there's no way a freshman quarterback's going to yeah. come in named Trevor Lawrence. But and that's he's because of your that respect defense. for Saban. That it was it's a blind faith. It, it's it, it much is a blind like faith. It's Belichick-like. Yeah, and, and listen, I understand that. Saban may come across as not giving Clemson any credit at all. I think that's kind of the the environment, kind of the culture that he's instilled at Alabama, where it's like if we take care of ourselves, we do our job, no one can touch us. Um, and then when he kind of gave more props to Georgia than Clemson, that's just being an SEC fan, you know. I mean, that's yeah. uh, that's sticking up for the league, sticking up for the and league. And there's a there's by the way, there's a responsibility in the SEC to do that. Oh, absolutely. It's become I think it's the silliest thing in the world. I but know. SEC fans, they grew up on it, they oh, believe in it. Yeah. SEC people, I, I could go on I, for a two-hour rant about SEC fans, I, I, man. I, I will always, I'll say this: I am not rooting for the Yankees if the Red Sox don't win. Exactly. Like I'm not. Thank you. Thank so, you. But in the SEC, it's like, oh, yeah, I hope they win. What are you Vander, talking about? Yeah, I know, bro. <laughs> Vanderbilt's like, all right, SEC all, all day, baby. Hey, you're Vanderbilt, okay? You can't claim really the SEC. No offense to all the Vanderbilt fans out there listening right now. <laughs> no offense at all. No, none. <laughs> hey, let's talk a little Jags when we get back. We'll have more college football in a bit in my balling and falling segment. Uh, all on the way, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. All right, welcome back. A lot to get to. Man, it is busy. Austin Lange is trying to recover from fight night Saturday night and another win. And we're trying to prep for football season. It is here. A lot going on. By the way, a couple of programming notes. Thursday will be our first Jaguars All-Access. That'll be at the stadium, so not at Mellow Mushroom on Thursday, 7 o'clock on Fox 30. And uh, we'll do a show this week coming up and next week. 
next week's show will be at Mellow Mushroom. And then we're going to take a little bit of a hiatus because there's so many preseason games on Thursday nights this year. And then we'll pick it back up. So we'll keep you posted on the schedule for Jaguars All Access. That's coming up uh, the debut show of 2019 live from Jags headquarters on uh, Thursday. That one is closed to the public, so I don't want to... uh, mislead you on there but we hope you come out to all the rest of the shows uh just not this first one on thursday night also first and 10 training camp we will have on tv side cbs 47 and fox 30 11 15 every night of training camp uh during the week monday through friday that starts on thursday so we have got a ton of programming as i always say on the tv side more programming probably locally than anybody in the country and now we add in espn 690 some fun stuff we're doing with the high school we're gonna have a high school game of the week on espn 690 we're working on that high school media days coming up next week uh, i talked to some high school coaches today they're all gearing up and getting ready uh for one players report i believe next week college players reporting uh over the next uh, few days and into next week so there is a lot happening and we love it. It's really a fun time uh, around here in the Jacksonville area, of course, because we love, love, love football. Speaking of reporting, Jacksonville Jaguars, quarterbacks, rookies, report. Josh Allen, first-round pick. He is there in the building. Nick Foles, the big acquisition at QB. He is there. And so many people now trying to guess, what does it all mean? Where do the Jags fit? I think uh, – Coos tweeted something out on Get Up this morning saying they could go worst to first in the AFC South. You know, that's not unfathomable. I mean, that's, no. not, that's not like this, oh, big hot take. Listen, picking the Jags is risky, okay? Picking the Jags to win is risky. Picking the Jags to lose is a safer bet. I mean, history, that's the trend. I mean, over the last dozen years, it's been a safer bet. I, I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying that's what it is. And they've been more disappointing than, you know, good. Yeah. So, I think it's it's a little bit uh, – it might be a little bit of a reach, but it's not that far of a reach given the landscape of the AFC South. And it seems like, you know, there's always like that dark horse pick. And going into the 2017 season, it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, everyone was saying how uh, they were going to play beyond their record and, you know, go to the playoffs and make some noise. And that's exactly what they did. And then it seemed like the next year, the end pick was the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, yeah, they're definitely Super Bowl bound with that defense and everything. They just barely lost to the Patriots, and you saw it all fall apart. I just think this year with the AFC South um, – I can't remember a time, and listen, like, one would say, yeah, the Tennessee Titans, they shouldn't be favorited, or they they shouldn't even be picked to win the division, but the Titans have beat the Jaguars the past four games, you know, the the four past four times they've played each other, so it's hard to count out the Titans right now, just because they've had, had the Jacksonville Jaguars number, so it's really up for grabs, Brent, I'm going to be honest with you, man, um, I think for the the end pick this year, it's funny. I think it's, it's the Colts. It seems like everyone's picking the Colts. Well, it seems like the Colts and the Browns. But for the AFC South, um, whether it's Andrew Luck of how he's performing or just, I guess, signing Justin Houston on defense now and adding some pieces there, it seems like everybody's really in on the Colts and everybody's really in on their last draft uh, this past year as well, which... I mean, it was a decent draft. I, I'm not ready to to write it as one of the best best drafts in Colts history or anything like that. But it seems like the Colts right now are the favorite to win it. I think well, they have to be because of the quarterback spot and because of some of the young talent. But also, hey, people are talking about the Colts like they were talking about the Jags last year, like you mentioned. And how do they handle that? They're yeah. a young team outside luck. Now they got some obviously experience at the top. But even Frank Reich as a head coach. How does he handle it? There's a lot of – listen, it's the NFL. Uh, and I said this on Friday. I said, for the first time in a long time, I feel like the Jags are starting off where most of the teams in the league start off. And that is 
as kind of an eight and eight type of football team where you could see them go nine and seven if things go well, ten and six, yeah. or they could go seven and nine or six and ten. I don't really see him as an 11 or 12 win team, and I don't really see him as a three or four win team. So they're kind of with a big grouping in the NFL, which I would say probably 24 to 28 teams sit in the same spot because it's just the way the NFL works. My question to you is, you know, I was having a conversation today, and I, I thought this is interesting. Are the Jags better on paper this year? than they were in 2017 when they went to the AFC Championship game. I just posed that on social media. And it seems kind of bizarre, right? Because you say, well, they went to the AFC Championship game. Nobody's predicting them to go to the AFC Championship game this year. Well, nobody really predicted them to go to the AFC Championship game that year either. Yeah. So they got on a run. Things went well. But are they better? Are they better up front? I think most people would say they're better at the quarterback spot. Absolutely. Do they have more talent at the wide receiver spot, even though it's unproven? Remember now, Allen Robinson didn't play that year. Yeah, it was hurt. Uh, defensively, they don't have a Pro Bowl Malik Jackson. They don't have a former Pro Bowl type in Tashawn Gibson. Uh, they have, they don't have Dante Fowler. They don't have Telvin Smith. But they do now have a Josh Allen. They have a more experienced team. They have more experience at the linebacker spot in Miles Jack. They have a guy that I think can be a very good player in Ronnie Harrison, probably yeah. better than a Barry well, Church. They have Foles, and they have Leonard Fournette, who all things considered should be better than he was that year. You if, think? Yeah, because he's coming into his prime. D.D. Westbrook should be better. Yeah. Um, they better probably Are they better at the tight end position with a guy like – I mean, <laughs> were they any good in 2017 at the tight end spot? Mercedes had a nice year, but were they yeah. any good? Mm-hmm. I mean, Ben Koyak was there too. Yeah, man, that's a, that's actually a great question. Um, you know, I think it's more of a boomer bust this year because it all falls to me on that wide receiving core. Um, can people shine through um, that depth right now? Because if you look at it on paper, yeah, there's some guys that have potential, but potential doesn't win you football games. You know, like talent and cultivating that potential does so if they can do that uh i'm all for it who's they had yeldon and who's the other running back at 2017 uh cory grant yeldon on 17 did they still have um chris ivory okay it might have been ivory too as well that's who i'm thinking of um and listen and when we get back from the break we can talk about it a little more but the biggest question on offense to me is that running back position and that change of pace back. And I was campaigning to bring this guy in. And this is back when you're on break for vacation, Brent. Uh, but I was campaigning. I was stomping, kind of like you were doing for Antonio Brown. <laughs> I, I was talking about this one guy who ended up getting signed uh, this past week. So he's not coming to the Jaguars anymore. But I think the change of pace back um, is big. And guess what? Actually, I actually did some research uh, today. And I'm going to tell you why the change of pace back is huge. That's interesting. That's a deep dive uh, if that's one of their bigger problems, in my opinion. But I'm, I'm interested to hear it. And I also want to get your thoughts. Do you think Yannick Ngakwe will be here with a contract? Is it coming soon? Maybe some latest developments on that situation, what we're hearing, and uh, where it could land for Yannick Ngakwe. All on the way. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey, you can watch Action Sports Jacks on the radio side on ESPN 690 on all the video feeds, Twitter, Periscope, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. We are there all the time. So go check it out. Jawan Taylor in the building today for the Jags reporting. 
and it will really be interesting to see what he does. Can he win that right tackle job? What will they do on the rest of that offensive line? Really on the outside, both bookends, Cam Robinson and whoever they use at right tackle. Very interesting parts of the offensive line for the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course. Magic Whiteboard is out on a Monday. Oh, what man. you got? Coos, come back here and talk Marvel with me a little bit. I got Marvel just slamming on DC right now. Uh, in case what does it, that mean? Well, I know there was something announced that well, Comic-Con, Comic-Con Brent, which I'm bummed that we couldn't uh, broadcast from there, maybe next year. Yeah, somebody had a fight. I mean, yeah. we were ready to go. Well, <laughs> I'm sure we were. But uh, Marvel was uh, you know, was at Comic-Con, and they had their presser, and they unveiled, they call it Phase 4. So like the next set of movies that are coming out, now that the Avengers are okay. kind of all undone with. So, you know, there's a new Doctor Strange coming out. There's a new Guardians of the Galaxy. But they're also doing, uh, they're going to do the Eternals, which is... um. Kind of like uh, an old school, like kind of like they're Greek gods, basically. So they're getting into that whole universe, and then also uh, the the big uh, thing at the end was uh, a new br- a Blade movie coming. I remember Blade with Wesley Snipes. Yeah, yeah. And there's gonna be a new Blade one coming out. So, so they got a lot going on. Yeah, because you see some of that stuff. You into it? I did, yeah. but remember, I'm like I'm already three movies behind. With oh, Marvel, yeah. Well, so. Why don't you even ask you to stay yeah. behind? I'm kind of sorry. Yeah. Mean, uh, last time we had this conversation, we put a trash bag up yeah. uh, in between the windows <laughs> well, so you guys couldn't spider, see each other. That was the Spider-Man talk, which we've agreed to disagree on. Which he's finally seen, though, so it's all good. I have seen. By yeah. the way, uh, I had the chance to watch Captain Marvel last night on my flight back and chose not to. I watched uh, Glass instead. Oh, Glass. Wait. Which, the one with Mr. The, Glass. Mr. Glass, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was a big mistake. Yeah, I, I kind of regretted it. <laughs> you should have you texted me, man. I would have told you that one. You should have just done some work for the show. I didn't have any Wi-Fi. You don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> just put some of your thoughts on well, Speaking of work for the show, though, that's all I was doing today, Brent. I, I was trying to like help it. us out, yeah. Hey, Hunter Crane, uh, the good uh, good buddy of the show, says this. Upgraded at QB, OL, and DL. Fournette needs to stay healthy, but I would say they have a better roster than they did in 17. If these two questions are answered, they could win the division. One, who is Nick throwing the ball to? Fair question. Yeah. Two, can Wilson and Harrison avoid giving up explosive plays? I think that's one of the big question marks nobody's talked about. How will Wilson, Jared Wilson, and Ronnie Harrison do back there? I think Ronnie Harrison has a chance to be a really good player, but the experience level of Gibson and Church back there a couple of years ago, especially, and then Church died off last year in terms of uh, what he was able to produce. But Gibson is a good player, I think. And what can Wilson at least play a solid free safety? Uh, and does Harrison take a step? I think that's a question that. Uh, we'll get into, but it's been overlooked, I think, by the Ngakwe talk and by the Telvin Smith talk and by all the offensive talk. But you deep diving on the running back situation. I am. You're a concern on the change of pace back, and you've talked about this for a long time. They oh, did yeah. not really address it. Now, listen, last year they had a guy like Corey Grant who they could do different things with. He gets hurt early in the year. The whole running back room gets blown up in the offseason. They go out and get a couple of veterans. Uh, in Rawls and in mm-hmm. Blue. Mm-hmm. They get Benny Cunningham, and they draft a guy in Armstead who also seems like a pounder. I mean, they just feel like they're going to come back at you with bam, 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 bam. Yeah. So to your point, they really don't have that change of pace. And keep in mind, Yeldon was a very good third down back. Uh, it, it got muddy on Yeldon toward the yeah. end of the year, mm-hmm. but he was very productive as a third round back. So I think you raise an interesting question. Well, and let me ask you this. If you look at the roster right now between Blue, Rawls, Cunningham, Armstead, who's your change of pace back? Or do you not really have one? I mean, is it just going to be pound the rock time? 
And, and like, and, but I should probably preface this by saying too. So change of pace back. I mean, a guy who is either like a slasher, is a third down back out of the backfield who can catch the ball. Not to say Fournette can't do that because Fournette is what they call a bell cow where you yeah. can do everything. And he's actually shown but, pretty good hands. But but history part. has shown that he you know he takes hits. Yeah. And especially the way that he runs, one would want to keep him upright and kind of you know maybe limit him to maybe twenty reps a game. So from that perspective, Brent. Who do you see here from a change of pace? Back? Well, it shows you there's not a. Uh, I would come back and say, do you have to have one? It well, shows you the league. There's not a ton of them. You know why? Because Darren Sproles at the age of 67 that, just got signed again. This that, week. That, that, that was the guy I wanted to bring on. So when you're on vacation, Brent, <laughs> and, and I went on a rant and I said you're not going to like it because you think he's old. I didn't care. I still went on the rant because to me, Darren Sproles is exactly the kind of guy you want. He's that change of play guy where you don't even take punt returns. You don't have to. You don't need him to do kick returns. All you need him to do is. Stand there on third down and catch the ball in the backfield. And that's what Foles had in Sproles when he played uh, in Chip Kelly's offense. And Sproles had like something like 70 catches that season. And that's why he was so successful. So from that perspective, I, I want to see him get Darren Sproles. I know you probably didn't agree with me on that, but I want to see Darren Sproles go to Jacksonville. He stays in Philadelphia, which is probably a better spot for him, a spot that he's used to. But what I ended up doing is I did a little research and looked up the top eight NFL offenses from last year. And when I say top eight NFL offenses, I'm going by yardage. So what team averaged the most yards per game? Now, yes, yardage doesn't always correlate to wins. It doesn't correlate to touchdowns. But I'm just saying from the perspective of offenses moving down the field, there's a lot of success in that, correct? Mm-hmm. So from the top eight NFL from the top eight NFL offenses last year, number one, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs were a team that had Kareem Hunt, who all things considered, was kind of a bell cow. You know, there's a guy who could catch out of the backfield. He could run between the tackles. Did a little bit of everything. He gets in trouble. Uh, he gets suspended. He's done for the year. Enter Spencer Ware and Damian Williams, who also are kind of like Kareem Hunt, where they do a little bit of everything. But th- the point was the fact that when Spencer Ware came in, it wasn't like he was that much better than Damian Williams, where they could kind of spell each other. You know, so guys are both staying healthy. Um, I think Ware got nicked up a little bit, but they had so much depth of the position because the guys could do everything. They could catch. They could run. Um, especially in Andy Reid's pass-friendly offense, they all found a home. N- number two offense in the NFL last year was the Rams. Now, this is kind of hurt my point a little bit because Todd Gurley, you say, does it all. He is the bell cow. But you have to remember, when he got hurt a little bit and got nicked up, C.J. Anderson came in. So when I say change of pace back, I don't necessarily mean a guy that can you know catch balls out of the backfield. I, I mean a guy who's different than what you're accustomed to well, seeing. he was so different, it was effective. Yeah, exactly, and that's my point where Todd Gurley, you have to plan around, all right, is he going to catch the balls on the backfield? Is he going to run between the tackles? Is he getting tossed? Is he getting screens? What's he getting? C.J. Anderson, you know what you're getting with him. Run between the tackles with that spread formation, spread everybody out, and just run C.J. Anderson downhill. And guess what? Second offense in the league worked out pretty well for him. Now, number three is kind of the outlier of this whole thing, but ask you please bear with me here. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Peyton Barber was quote unquote the bell cow, but he only had 871 yards rushing. Tampa Bay passed the ball nonstop. They had Fitzpatrick, aka Fitzmagic. So this doesn't really work for me just because all they did was pass because they're playing from behind the whole time. Uh, four, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, yes, James Conner. If you haven't fantasy football, everyone's going to say James Conner was the bell cow. I say pump your brakes a little bit. Yes, he was the bell cow in the beginning. But if you remember correctly, he started to get banged up as well because they relied on him too much. Enter Jalen Samuels, who was the pass catching running back out of that backfield. And it seems like the Steelers really kind of found their niche in their offense was when Jalen Samuels would come in and spell James Conner because 
like I said, in the beginning of the season, it was the James Conner show, and he couldn't sustain that kind of workload, kind of like we're talking about Fournette right now. So then we go uh, we go to number five. Uh, we're on the New England Patriots. Obviously, James Wright, Sony Michelle don't really need a lot of explanation there. We've been yep. watching the Super Bowl for <laughs> the past decade. Uh, number six, I'm on. This one was interesting. So Atlanta Falcons actually had the number six highest ranked offense. And this is an offense that was losing Devontae Freeman, who was kind of like that in between the tackle guy and Tevin Coleman uh, was more of the pass catcher. Well, Tevin Coleman's role had to expand a little bit because he was the lead back now. He was the quote-unquote bell cow. So enter Ito Smith, who actually almost tripled uh, the output and, and catch balls, according to Telvin Smith. So basically what happened was... Tevin Coleman took Deontay Freeman's spot, and Ito Smith took Tevin Coleman's spot. But once again, that change of pace back was there. Uh, number seven, Indianapolis, Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines. Now, I'm not sure if you want to call Hines a back or not, because if you watch the Colts play at all, he was the guy that was always split out in formations, but he was under center as well in the eye formation, things like that. But Naheem Hines um, is a change of pace back. Can, oh, he does catch the ball. Can the Jags accomplish it maybe with some of their speed at wideout? Can they do some well, different things with the motions? Yeah. And, you know, can they – it's not out of the backfield necessarily, yeah. but can they give different looks with all their motions in this John D. Phillip offense? We'll talk more yeah. about it in a little bit. Coming up next, we're going to get off football for a second because there was a picture that went viral this weekend. And the person that went viral will join us on ESPN 690. That's next. 35,000 likes, 7,948 retweets. That's not for our show. That wouldn't be a bad thing. Fantastic. Instead, it was from the University of Florida soccer team's head coach tweeting a picture of Carson Pickett. Who's Carson Pickett? Glad you asked. St. John's Country Day Soccer. Gatorade Player of the Year back in 2012. 2015 National Champ with Florida State. And now a member of the Orlando Pride soccer team. And if you haven't seen the picture, look it up. It's awesome. Uh, Carson was born without a left forearm and hand. And she's... Obviously a tremendous soccer player and has been played for her dad. St. John's Country Day, if you're, if you're not sure uh, or don't know about it, they are an unbelievable dynasty in girls' soccer in the area. They've won 10 state championships. She won three of them while she was in school. Her dad is the head coach, well-known uh, soccer coach in the area. But this picture, and you got to check it out on Twitter or, or look it up, Google it, is just – it's an awesome facial expression from Carson. Yeah. And – just a, I don't know how old the kid is. Maybe, what do you think? Like a year and a half old. Also without a forearm and hand. Yeah. And they're doing a an elbow bump, I guess. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty awesome stuff. Uh, you saw the picture. Well, and it's crazy because I mean this picture has obviously made its rounds on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot. But um, I had no idea that she was. From there, from here, yeah. <laughs> you know. So until you told me about that today, I was like, "Oh, I mean, yeah, I've seen that picture everywhere." And she just so happens to be from Jacksonville. That's fantastic. Well, n- this will show you how good of a picture it was. It was a Florida soccer coach tweeting out a former Florida State Seminole. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> that might say it all. Uh, so uh, really a cool picture. And uh, Carson is scheduled to join us. She's in Chicago right now and uh, scheduled to join us in a couple of minutes. Right now, Johnny Bachman, who knows uh, the Pickett family a little bit through his soccer tra- uh, travels because his daughter plays soccer. And uh, he saw the picture, too. And he's also going to tell us what's coming up on CBS 47 and Fox 30. But this is this might even be coming up on CBS 47 and Fox 30. It was an awesome picture. Well, we're fighting over it because I think you're going to get it in sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, let me just tell you, yeah, my, my oldest has been to the uh, picket camp uh, a couple of years now, at least. And uh, Carson shows up with her. It's a family run camp. You know, her dad, Mike, runs this amazing camp. He's obviously a legendary coach. And uh, Carson shows up every year, and, um, you know, she's a celebrity now. And so it's kind of cool that she comes back to still do that. And um, an, a fantastic player, um, just just an even better person. Morgan so, Bryan stuff. is from the area. She's from southeast Georgia, and she plays for the, uh, the U.S. national team. Uh, I would say if you consider the, our viewing area, listening area, uh, she would probably be the best soccer player, female soccer player to come out of Jacksonville area or I'm again, Southeast Georgia. So our viewing area. But, uh, I would think Carson Pickett is probably pretty close. Uh, maybe if you're talking about Northeast Florida, she might be top of the list. I'm not. Uh, in all honesty, don't know the whole soccer scene well enough to know if there w- there's been a more decorated player or a better player over the years. But she's certainly on the list. I mean, one of the best players to ever come out of this area uh, in women's soccer. And I already gave you the uh, accolades. Uh, very um, well accomplished from high school days to Florida State national champion and now playing uh, pro soccer. How big is her name in the circles that you well, I mean, the picket name in general is just is yeah, as big dad. as it gets, and and she's huge. I mean, again, I, I'm not an expert either, but I can tell you, it just speaks to who she is. When we when when I reached her today through her dad, she she was, of course, happy to excited to to do the interview. I forget her where his exact words were, but just you know, so it, it, I'm really looking forward to to hearing from her and uh, picking her brain a little bit and all that. But I can tell you what we're working on for uh, for five. If she's if we're still waiting. For yeah, we're her. trying to track her down. She actually called in a few minutes uh, before during the break, and now we're trying to get back with her. Uh, <laughs> story, she's in Chicago. Story of so. live radio, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> but that's all right. We'll continue to talk about her. What you got coming up tonight in about so, an hour? Yeah, coming up. Uh, there, there's a couple of really big stories from the weekend that we're still working on that are really just remarkable. Uh, we had those four inmates, the teenagers who escaped. I shouldn't call them inmates, but they escaped from a, a juvenile detention facility yeah. over the weekend. They're still looking for one of them, and as as well as the car that they. The story itself is crazy. We got into it a little bit this weekend on just how the the investigators say they pulled this escape off, but it's remarkable. And so we're gonna dive into that some more today. Look into exactly how this was pulled off and and what they're doing to, to find this fourth team. was it like straight out of the movies it kind of kind of was yeah they <laughs> they apparently allegedly faked a fight amongst themselves and when the guards came in then started fighting with the guards then they got into the control room started stealing keys to cars from employee you know all this stuff crazy wow. stuff wow. so that so that's what we're working on uh more detail then of course there's this tragic miraculous story all in one of the of the mom and the five-year-old in the car at hannah park yeah heard about this over the where weekend. she apparently flipped the car into a lake at hannah park mom dies but miraculously this five-year-old girl found a pocket of 
air inside this water, inside wow. this water-filled car, and she was rescued by a deputy who was able to, you know, free her from that. So that's remarkable. Um, and so we're we're looking into, you know, a little bit more about how this could have happened. And um, there's so we're investigating to see if there's any liability there with signage that may or may not have been there. Um, all kinds of different things that we're looking into on that particular story as well. And then, of course, you can't ever rule out the tropics. Our good buddy Mike Burrish is uh, tracking something down in the, I guess that'd be the east southern coast of Florida that could become a tropical depression. Or something? Yeah, and he's, he basically said this isn't going to be anything serious to worry about. It's going to be rain either way is pretty much what he's saying. But then he's got some other stuff he's looking on, uh, looking at that's oh, brewing as well. And now we keep an eye on the weather. Of course, the Jags will be out on the practice field on Thursday, but they, you know, they have the flex field if they need it. But they also are starting pretty early, so they should avoid anything that's late right. in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I was actually talking to Ian Shields, the JU uh, Dolphins football coach. They go early in the morning too, just for that reason. In the month of August, you know, they don't want they tries to get his players fresh, yeah, like to start the day. Uh, before they're going to class and everything, but then they don't have the indoor facility. So uh, it's the good way to, around late July or end in August to beat the afternoon thunderstorms True, um, is to get going early. And the Jags, the Jags are going as early as I ever remember. Now, I've been here, this is my 12th one, so maybe back in the day they went earlier. I don't remember them going at 840 in the morning. Uh, that yeah. is. Why would they be doing that, Austin? What do you think? I mean, uh, I mean, I think you kind of mentioned it, the weather a little bit. Um, I'm curious to see. Do you know how long the day is going to last for for the Jaguars this year? Because I mean, in the past, they've kind of ended out a little earlier. Like we're more, most teams, like when I played on um, with the Jaguars or the Chiefs or the Bears, we went till you know eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. And then we go back to the dorms or the hotel room, or whatever. From what I was told, the past couple of years, the Jaguars actually got out like around six o'clock. Hmm. Um, do you know if that's I still kind of the case? The other way. Yeah. Do you know if you that's know, still kind of the case? With this regime, I, yeah. I would think it was a lot more. In fact, yeah. I would. I've heard this year, this is going to be bad. You got to be very careful with the phrasing. That it might be a little bit lighter than the previous two years hmm. in terms of. I don't know if that's in terms of what's going on on the field or the actual time spent from meeting rooms to in yeah. the facility to work even in the hotel room. There might be a lighter load, and that could be very marginal. I mean, you know, <laughs> well, I mean we, we, we might be talking about 5% or True. 2% lighter. Uh, that might be just one person's take on lighter. We'll yeah. figure it out. I think it's going to be a hard camp. But, well, you know, what? I, I was in the impression, you know, year one of Coughlin and Marone, it was like, Oh my gosh, right? They had never seen anything like it and everybody was talking about it and they were worn out and tired by the time they got to preseason game number three and I think they got the doors blown off them by Tampa. They looked awful mm-hmm. because Mercedes Lewis said it in front of microphones said it. We don't have anything left. And so yeah. then they started mm-hmm. to taper a little bit, get ready for the season. They had the big year, so it worked. So players come back last year, like, hey, this worked. We went to the AFC Championship game. We'll suck it up. My impression was because less people were complaining, it might have been a shade easier last year. Yeah. Uh, I asked somebody recently about it. They were like, no, it was not easier. We were just used to it. So we at least had knew yeah. what to expect. So where does that land year three under Marone and Coughlin? And, again, keeping people healthy is the prime goal to get to September 8th as healthy as you can possibly get them. And you are going to have injuries, but you don't want it to be because of your schedule, your work, and how much you work the team in August is why you got people hurt. So starting to follow NFL teams now, I mean, 
I feel like there's two schools of philosophy here. And the, the one school I just talked about was where teams got out a little earlier. So maybe like around six or even seven at the very latest. And the school of thought there is the fact that if you get out earlier, that means you can get some more rest. So as opposed to maybe only getting six hours, seven hours of sleep, now you can get like nine or 10 hours of sleep. And in, and you know, in doing so, there's a better product on the field because you're more well rested. Now the other uh, philosophy, kind of the old school coaching philosophy, the philosophy that I was basically been a part of my whole entire life, it seems like <laughs> in the NFL, was the fact that you were you were at the stadium or you're at the the training camp facility until nine thirty ten, and then you go back to the dorms wherever you're staying. Maybe if lucky, you get six, seven hours of sleep, and then you go perform. And then that's more of like the boot camp side because coaches want to put you in the most um, stressful conditions possible because that way then you're ready for the season. You know, the season's going to seem a lot easier. Two schools of thought. You know, do you let the guys get the rest and perform their best, or do you push them a little bit farther and then let them kind of be mentally tougher, I guess, quote-unquote, you would say during the season? It's two different schools of thought, and it's something to keep a track of, honestly. The right way to do it is whatever wins more games, and you usually don't figure that out until halfway through the year or maybe toward the end of the year, and you go back and evaluate what you did, yeah. and that's just kind of the way it goes uh, sometimes. So uh, we'll, we got a lot more Jags talk, including the what do you think on Yannick Ngakwe? Will the deal get done sooner or later? But right now, uh, we are happy to be joined by Carson Pickett. I think she's in Chicago. We've tracked her down in the Windy City, coming off uh, a big weekend where just an incredible picture that I described to everybody a little bit earlier uh, went viral, and it's a fun thing to talk about. Brent Martineau, along with former Jags player Austin Lane. We've got Action News Jax's Johnny Bachman with us as well uh, here on ESPN 690. Carson, thanks for taking a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, no problem. What do you think of this? Uh, we love talking about good things, positive things. This is your facial expression in this picture uh, is awesome. Uh, there's, uh, you know, the, the old saying, right? A picture says a, a, a thousand words. This is true. I mean, we could go in a lot of different ways. What did this picture mean to you when you saw it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, I'm obviously the professional and he's just a little boy, but um, the joy on my face honestly just shows that, you know, kids like this, they inspire me just as much as I inspire them. So I think that's the biggest thing I got out of it is just seeing him be so excited to see me and to realize that we had the same arm. Um, I think that was the most special moment for me in my life so far. Carson Pickett with us uh, from Fleming Island, played at St. John's Country Day. And I already gave you a resume, Carson. It's incredible. You know, three state championships, <laughs> Gatorade Player of the Year, national champ with Florida State, and now you're playing professional soccer with the Orlando Pride. I mean, that's one heck of a resume. Yet you just kind of <laughs> said something that, that that was the moment maybe of your life. I mean, you can accomplish all these things. You're just taking a picture and having a cool little moment, and then welcome to our world today. Something goes by viral like this uh, it's kind of neat isn't it yeah it's 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 amazing honestly i didn't expect it to, to just because you know this is our life this is normal for us but to um have the support of so many people is just unreal and seeing um bringing to light um you know joseph and mine's arm and just getting it out there that you know you can reach any goal that you want no matter what you look like or any quote-unquote disabilities that anyone has before I bring Austin and John back, and let me ask you one more question about, uh, uh, at least for, from this stuff. And uh, do you set, do you feel a sense of responsibility, uh, given the fact uh, that you might meet young people that see you as an inspiration, um, whether it's to carry yourself in a certain way, play in a certain way? I mean, for you, it's it's normal. You were born without a left forearm and a left hand, and you've excelled in in life and in soccer and school. 
so there's a nor- normalcy to it for you. But do you kind of sense that sense of responsibility that it's bigger than uh, maybe one of those things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think just being true to myself, you know, I don't have to put on a show for, for any audiences. I just I just am myself and I try and embody that and be the best I can be every day, no matter if it's in soccer, in life, um, in any other work that I do. I just want to be my true self. And I think that that shows in that picture is just I was so, so excited just to see Joseph um, in the stands that, you know, I start to realize that there's a lot a lot of things that are bigger than soccer. And this is definitely one of them. Amen. Carson, John Bachman here. Uh, first of all, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm a huge fan of your families, but this picture has been liked by 35,000 people. It's been retweeted <laughs> almost 8,000 times. Who has reached out to you from the most obscure spot because of this? Um, I think, you know, obviously ESPN um, retweeted it, and they have sent me a message just um, obviously allowing me to use it. And um, you know, Jennifer Gar- Garner and different people like that. Just, it's crazy how many, not, it's not just sports. And I think that that's the coolest thing about it is that as everyone's inspired by it, no matter if they're a soccer player or not. Hey, Carson, if you're going to be friends with Jennifer Garner, can you just tell us to give us a buzz sometimes? And, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. I got, to the Red I Sox? Got what are we now? talking about with her? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Carson, you are, you, you mentioned you're an inspiration to, to Jacob, the little boy. You're an inspiration to, to, people all over the world whether you're you're an adult man or a 14 year old girl like my daughter but um what what would you tell the aspiring uh, whether it's a soccer player or a student athlete because you have achieved so much on the soccer field and in the classroom what would you tell my daughter who's 14 and desperately wants to succeed in life in many ways that you have already what what's your best advice Honestly, my best advice is, um, it, it sounds cliche, but just to follow your dreams and never, never, ever let anyone tell you that you can't do something because of the way you look or anything like that. I think just not allowing anyone to um, diminish you as a person, no matter your skills and your work um, or on the soccer field. But I think that that's been the best part about uh, my journey so far is I've been realizing what my true self is and how I want to be um, outside of soccer and then soccer shows for itself um you can be the best soccer player in the world and just not be a great person and i think that that shows a lot in life now that i'm getting older is just to follow your dreams but to never lose lose yourself in the moment awesome how you doing carson's austin lane here hey good how are you i'm doing fantastic so you're playing for orlando now but you're actually drafted by seattle and shaquem griffin's another guy who Mm -hmm. was drafted by seattle um you know who's missing his hand i'm i'm just curious did you ever get a chance to meet him and you guys ever interact at all no um we have not we have not met yet that's um hoping that's going to happen at some point just honestly to talk about all the similarities and differences in in our arms and in football and soccer and i hope that that's going to happen at some point but we have not crossed paths yet he's a florida kid too right he's from uh, yeah ucf guy yeah um so yeah and he's an we just did an event with uh shakim yeah you know this past year he's unbelievable uh he did it at daly's place here in jacksonville well and if you guys have something in common i can tell from the get-go i mean it's it's the confidence that you guys have you know and where does that confidence come from carson is it you know playing for your dad for so long where he kind of instilled those values into you yeah absolutely you know i think a lot of times on the field you you people can see where you came from and they can see i know who raised you and and i think that 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 says a lot about my parents um you know my faith from when i was younger just um following god and i think that that's been something that stuck with me and especially now when you see so many 
so many terrible things in the world and just um, to make sure that I have in my faith, I'm strong in my faith and I follow whatever whatever God sets out for me. And I think that's been the biggest turning point in my life so far. Carson Pickett with us here on ESPN 690 with Brent Martin, Austin Lane, and John Bachman. And uh, if you missed the picture, you haven't seen it yet, well, check it out. Google it. Uh, just a fantastic picture of Carson. And uh, you said his name is Joseph. I don't know. How old is Joseph? Do you know? Um, I don't know. I want to say he's three or four. Yeah, that makes uh, makes sense. It's just a, a fantastic picture. You have to see it. <laughs> and Carson uh, played, she's from Fleming Island, played uh, soccer at St. John's Country Day, then at Florida State, and now playing for the Orlando Pride uh, professionally. You know, does this actually, your dad has won 10 state championships. Does this <laughs> put you over him now from a celebrity standpoint? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't know. I don't know. In Jacksonville, he's, he's a pretty big celebrity, so I might be even with him now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Okay, that's a good mantle to share. Uh, I wanna, yes. Let me ask you a big uh, soccer question. Obviously, there's been all this buzz around uh, uh, Team USA and what they just accomplished uh, to win uh, the World Cup, uh, the U.S. Women's National Team. Does that trickle down to where you're playing now at the professional level? Have you seen that even over the years? Uh, the popularity, it's, it's so un unlike so many sports. Uh, the women's sport of soccer is it feels like so much bigger than the men's side here in the United States. Uh, can you speak to that at the level that you play and what you see? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, our crowds have grown throughout the years, the, the more popular that the NWSL gets. But um, I, I just think, obviously, the women for the national team, um, they're creating a massive path for the, for the rest of us. And I think that, you know, even if you're never on the national team, and but but you're in the league, and I think that that's, like, the biggest part about um, soccer is that you can perform on the highest level, but they also have to come perform on um, league level. And I think that that's opening a lot of doors for us for, for the national team in the future and how many, how many fans we're getting at the moment. Carson, one other question for you. I don't want to sound premature because I hope that you have another 15 years of professional soccer, but uh, you mentioned kind of your life outside of soccer already so uh, have you given that some thought I'm, i'd love to know what you uh what your goals are regarding that yeah i mean um i do i love soccer more than anything but you know there is there's a lot more to life and i think for me my biggest my next biggest dream besides soccer and the one that i'm living is to be a sports commentator um and eventually go up go up to the I always want to be in sports. That's something that I've always dreamt about being in for the rest of my life. I don't think I can, at this point, um, go away from that. But I think just being a sports commentator is my next dream. Well, Carson, we can fire Austin Lane anytime. <laughs> Easy now. <laughs> He's nice. Brent, I need the job, man. Come on now. We got a third yeah. microphone. We don't need to fire anybody. We do have a third microphone. <laughs> She's got plenty of years left in her playing soccer, man. Don't worry about that. <laughs> So, hey, give uh, me a couple years, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carson, uh, I've had some friends try to talk me into going to Australia. They said to the place I got to check out. To me, Australia is scary. You got snakes, you got wallabies. I just, I, I don't do Australia. You spent a lot of time there playing in the league for Brisbane. Uh, how was it playing in Australia? And do you have any tips if I do choose to venture out there for a little bit? <laughs> Honestly, it is so unbelievable that I get to play over there. Um, I always tell everyone that it's. Um, I get to live out my dream, but I get to be pay get paid doing it. So it's a paid vacation is what I like to say. Um, but, yeah, it's amazing. It's a great time to go over there and meet new people and to play in a different league. And, you know, I think that helps playing year-round. It helps me just because I need to be ready for the NWSL when I'm called. And uh, But it's, it's an ex extraordinary experience just because the people over there are unreal. 
they make you feel like home, and, and the soccer is great. So you get everything all in one. What are you doing in Chicago? You going to a Cubs game or something? What's happening there? <laughs> Unfortunately not, I wish. <laughs> um, I have a week off, and I have have some friends up here. So I'm just uh, visiting and getting out of Orlando just for the week. Well, we appreciate you taking time. I know people are probably calling you left and right after seeing this picture. And thanks for uh, talking to the, to the hometown folks. And thanks to your dad and everybody for hooking it up. Good luck the rest of yeah. the way. Yes, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you having me. All right, awesome to catch up with you. Thanks, Carson. Okay, thanks, thanks, Carson. Guys. Bye. That's Carson Pickett, uh, obviously a very pleasant young lady and pretty cool. I mean, again, yeah. if you haven't seen it's hard to, to picture it if you haven't seen it. But if you see the picture and then you match the interview, uh, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't it? Out. You're not surprised by that smile on her face, are no, you? No, not at all. Uh, really cool stuff and, and uh, good to catch up with Carson Pickett. Uh, again, uh, really legendary family in the soccer world around here uh, on the girls' side. Uh, her dad's been just so good at St. John's Country Day. They have a, a legit dynasty. Uh, probably not talked about enough is what happens at St. John's Country Day. And then she goes on to have a great career at Florida State and wins a national championship and now playing uh, professional soccer. Well, you you spent your daughter plays. Uh, I'm not in the soccer world. Uh, you know, I'm in the baseball, softball <laughs> world. Uh, obviously, the picket name is big, but somebody like Carson, I, this will help her in terms of being out there more and I think her celebrity, if you will. Mm -hmm. But she's probably already talked about quite a bit in the circle you travel. Well, without a question locally, I mean, as you just mentioned, it, one of, if not the best out of this area. And so everybody who knows local soccer already knew her. So yeah. this, this, and, and, and is not surprised by any of this, frankly. Well, thanks for working the store, man. Appreciate it. I, I had to call John up. I said, hey. But you got, I know you got to know the Pickett family. Well, sure. you got to get, you got to help us get this. Hook and this up. I figure people probably calling her all over the place. Well, you heard her. She's, she, she's, yeah, she's, she's been busy. That's great. And <laughs> as she should be. Speaking of getting hooked up though, I got to ask you, Brent, what are you going to talk about with Jennifer Garner if she comes on the show? <laughs> I have no what, idea. What are we going to talk about? Man? I have no idea, but <laughs> she hasn't had a movie in like eight years. I don't know, but she probably has a lot of followers. She's still making a lot of money. <laughs> Go ahead and retweet us. Yeah, whatever. We'll talk about whatever you want. She's doing a bunch of like, hey, those commercials. The Capital One commercials. Yeah. 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 What's, what's in your wallet? Yeah, Capital yeah. One, right? Yeah. 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 See, maybe we just get a Capital One sponsor. <laughs> or we uh, do as like celebrity guest pick. There, oh, she can be one. Wow, okay. I got you. Yeah, I'm just trying to add to the Rolodex here. I was just curious. Yes, man. She might be a sports fan. She might be. All right. Oh, CBS 47, Fox 30. Watch John Bachman, Tanika yep. Hughes, Mike Barish, and uh, I'll be doing some sports later on as well. So you can watch me on the TV side. That's coming up 5 o'clock. CBS 47 and Fox 30. Coming up next, how about a little ballin' and fallin' that will get me into a facilities question for you that kind of went a little crazy on the social media when I asked it last night. I'm talking to you, LSU. Uh-oh. I know where this is going. Now, the Jaguars did have a little bit of news today, and that is uh, Zedrick Woods, Jaguars rookie, yep. retired, put his retirement papers in, uh, which is a bit unusual, but um, hmm. he was injured and says he's out of Lake City. Yeah, went to Columbia High School, went to Ole Miss, uh, and then he ran the fastest time at the Combine this year with a 4 huh. um, So, retirement... It, the word itself makes you think of someone who's been in the league for a long time. Yeah. But in this case, maybe there's just a better opportunity out there. Who knows what that would be? Yeah. Uh, maybe track. That's it. That's it. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what I was thinking. And I was about to say that 
is maybe there's a track career out there to try and go run the 100 and do that instead. I mean, you said he was injured? Yeah, I th- well, he was on uh, – I, I think he was injured. I think he had something going on. Did he? Uh, with a – Coming into camp. Okay. Oh, okay. So like nothing serious. Like not where, like crazy. If it he was to get cut, it'd be like an injury settlement. Yeah. Kind it of wasn't thing. like okay. this. You know, it, it wasn't something that he, he could come back from it. Got you. Okay. But um, I found video of him today. Did you? That's oh, yeah. impressive. In like side shots of like other players. Okay. So like <laughs> I, I was getting a shot of Ronnie Harrison, and then Woods was standing next to him. I'm like, oh, that's a shot of Woods. Well, that your job's to get the local guy. Uh, we so anyway, well, he submitted retirement. By the papers. way, that's the absolute worst position to get shots of. Is the secondary true based on the positioning? And Austin, you've seen this based on the positioning of where the players are. Yes, you know it goes defensive line, yep. linebackers, secondary. As far as easiest to get shots of because they're right next to you. Yeah, to hardest to get shots of because they place them on the complete other side of the practice field. True story. Unless the Jaguar switch defenses this year, in which case maybe you'll get some more linebacker shots. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Hey, I'm just, yeah. I did an interview with Calais. We ran it on Friday. Did you ask him about 3-4? No, but, okay. no, I didn't ask him about that. Uh-oh. But he specifically said something like in the interview mm-hmm. that made me think. Like right away I thought, maybe Austin's on to something Uh-oh. here. No. Because I, I asked him about replacing guys. Like sure. You know, if you look at this defense, is it as good as it's been? Because mm-hmm. you don't have Telvin Smith. You don't have Dante Fowler. You don't have Malik Jackson. You don't have Deshaun Gibson. I mean, again, I mean, you can't just overlook that, yeah. right? How are they replacing him? And in that answer, you know, he's, he showed his faith with Quincy Williams mm-hmm. and obviously with Josh Allen's pick and and Taven Bryan. But also in the Taven Bryan answer, kind of hinted like there could be some movement with Josh Allen. Right, we're we're back so. on board, man. We're back on board. Look, I like it. This isn't so the it fir- got me thinking about it. Yeah. This isn't the first time that Nostradamus Lane over here went out and predicted something because we know he spooked AEW oh, yeah. and brought the rain so that Hangman Page wouldn't get hit by yep. uh, the mascot yeah. throwing out the first pitch. That was Tim one of our Foyle predictions, has, by bro. the way. You were on vacation. I, know, I heard that story, though. Yeah. yeah, I heard that story. Oh, yeah. So uh, you were all over stuff it. left and right. Well, yeah. we'll see. We'll wait and see. Okay. Uh, no, right now. I, I, I want to know. You better hope that they don't play a three-four defense because if they <laughs> do, not playing a three-four. I'm going to go back to every single video where I said the word three-four, <laughs> and I'm going to retweet them all at the same time, and you will never hear the end of it. They Just are not saying. playing a three-four. A couple okay. of Jags notes. Uh, Jaguars.com is doing a great job with their uh, 25-player countdown. Yeah. And uh, today, number 11, Paul Pazlesny, who joined us back yeah. in June. Uh, and you know you can debate Daryl Smith and Paul Pozlesny and well, Mike I think Daryl Smith and, was number twelve, correct? Uh, was he twelve? Or he was yeah. in the last couple picks. Yeah, so yeah, he was he was close to him. Mm-hmm. So uh, Puzz is the latest. You can check that out on Jaguars dot com, and uh, they've been doing some good stuff uh, with all that. Last night we had some of the fans on from uh, uh, the Jaguars super fans and celebrating twenty five seasons of Jacksonville Jaguars football. So the celebration goes on, but really the celebration this week is that football is here and starting. So let's celebrate with Ballin' and Fallin'. Ballin' and Fallin'. Ballin'. Brent, Luke Voigt is playing the wrong sport. Yeah. Uh, over the weekend, the Yankees first... button up his top of his shirt. Well, yeah. oh, well, uh, well, you drives know, me Brent, nuts. When you take a 91-mile-per-hour fastball to the face, 
You can do whatever you want. Yeah, you can wear whatever you want. Um, while most people would think you hit with a with a baseball at 91 miles per hour in your face, uh, you'd probably retire. I know I would. I would walk away <laughs> and never step in a batting box again, man. There's no way I can get that kind of confidence. Is but, this um, where I'm supposed to say after this weekend you looked like you got hit with a 91 mile an hour fastball? You know in your what? Face. But the difference between <laughs> me and that is the fact that I'm going back in the cage. I would not go back in the batting box, man. There's no way. There's no way I'd ever do it. This but, days, uh, these days, 91 miles an hour is like a change up, by the way. Slow, well, yeah. <laughs> regardless, it still hurts. And Luke Voigt manned up and said, you know what? I'm all good. And he stayed in the game. Uh, now he's wearing a, like a, a new chin protector kind of thing yeah. on his helmet. But uh, Everybody somebody, will have hey, those sooner or later. Somebody get this guy some skates because he's playoff hockey ready. I mean, taking the fastball to the face and staying in the game. I respect him. Have man. you seen this guy? Like in general? Yeah. Or, yeah you, go, you watch. I mean, yeah. he looks like he... He is, to me, what makes that Yankees lineup look so scary, even more than Judge or a Stanton or anybody, because he looks like your slow-pitch softball player, and he's playing Major League Baseball. Middle he linebacker. Does, it, 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 it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, like he's a big dude. He, he is as broad as they get. Like Guys like that look like that aren't supposed to be able to swing the bat that well, and yeah. uh, and he should really button the top button on his jersey. He drives me nuts. <laughs> or at least put an undershirt on underneath. It's awful. Too, well, then, too uh, hot for that. Let me ask you that. What, what do you think of the, the red <laughs> sleeveless jerseys real quick? Yeah, I saw those. Uh, no thanks. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you look like me. Maybe yeah. if you look like you, it would be okay. Oh, you know, uh, I'd rock them all day. Yep. Hey, my balling is, uh, how about for a, a, a little dude baseball team uh, out of MSA, nine and under Red Tails, Cal Ripken State Champions for baseball. Uh, they won District 2 Championship, then they went to Lake City, and they won that as well. And uh, state title for them. They will now go uh, to South Florida to play in the Cal Ripken 9 and Under World Series. It's that time of year. You get a lot of teams in Cooperstown at 12 years old, or you get a lot of teams winning big. But uh, this was a cool one for these guys from the Mandarin Sports Association, the Red Tails, uh, Cal Ripken state champs. And, you know, this stuff isn't cheap once you get to this They'll have teams from like Hawaii and all over the country, and I think even like maybe a team from Puerto Rico or, or Dominican Republic. It's not cheap to go down there for the week for these guys. They actually have a GoFundMe uh, if uh, you want to support the little guys. August third to the twelfth, they'll be down there. Uh, they got to raise like fifteen thousand dollars to uh, participate and uh, try to bring home the World Series championship. Uh, you can check it out on GoFundMe under the. MSA Red Tails head to the Cal Ripken uh, World Series. So good luck to those guys. What you got for Fallen? Fallen. Uh, it's the story everywhere today. John Jones is in trouble again. Yeah, again. This time for a misdemeanor battery charge stemming from an April incident at a strip club in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, John Jones has went on Twitter and said that he's innocent and they're all rumors. Um, we'll, we'll wait to see what happens. But the fact that, listen, man, you, you've been through a lot in your career already. You filled a couple drug tests. You've hit a woman, a pregnant woman in a car and then fled the scene. Um, you know, he's got quite the resume on him and just a guy from being the, the best fighter probably to ever do it. Um, and listen, I'm not going to tell anybody how to live their life, but maybe the strip club is probably not the best spot for you to do, for given your history. But so be it, man. Um, we'll see what happens with him down the road here. Uh, hopefully it's not that big a deal. But we're talking about if he gets charged, this might be strike three, especially since Dana White has said on record where if he was to get in trouble again, that might be then a John Jones. I was going to say, I mean, how much longer can you can you do this, you know, with, when, with John Jones? It feels like it's well, and, every and, two months. And as bad as this sounds, I think the fact that it's MMA and it, it's a fight sport, I think – gives him some kind of leeway like yeah. for instance if this was the nfl yeah you're, you're probably done 
but since it's the combat sports, um, I think you get a lot more leeway. I'm not saying that's how it should be because it shouldn't be that way, but I mean, there's a reason why Mike Tyson was so popular, even though he went to jail and had a lot of cases against him as well, but people still cheered for him. So it is what it is. It's a good point. Yeah. Uh, here's my fallen, and it's not directly at LSU, okay? But they announced yesterday, <laughs> by the way, sorry, Florida, nice uh, locker room, but here comes LSU, and this was a reaction to the players when they looked into their new locker room in Baton Rouge for the first time. So it's like we're at a sounds like we're at a club. <laughs> I was just gonna say. Uh, well, but, and, and, and have you seen the locker room? It looks like you're at a club yes, too. Club like yes, I did see the yeah. locker room. And so here's my fallen. And I raise this question. My first reaction to this, and it's kind of like a, is it a little get off my lawn kind of thing? I I don't think it is. I think there is. I always have said this about college football, especially with all the dollars involved now. There will be a time where the bubble bursts. You know, I mean, we had a recession because the housing market got crazy. Yeah, it was one of the reasons. I don't know if it was the only reason, but it was one of the big reasons. You know, there the, all the money. Sooner or later, it, it busts. It's, it's, you can only go so far. And then on top of that, we have these conversations like Jimbo Fisher last week, like his comment. And do they actually encourage some of the behavior that they also don't like from the players? Well, this is a prime example of it. Don't you just encourage entitlement in places like this? This is a college football locker room. A tough guy sport where you're supposed to be hard-nosed, disciplined. I mean, heck, this looks like a place Michael Jordan stays in the Bahamas. <laughs> I, so we're, I get it. I get it. You have to impress kids. It's yeah, and that's, and that's what it's to, all about. Yeah. But, okay, but where's the point? Where is no, the I end? Know. You yeah. know, that's the thing. Where does it end that now you have to have... This kind of locker room, I haven't checked it out. I mean, it's obviously a visual thing. You have to go see it. But it, it kind of looks like a first-class lay-flat seat it's, in an yes, airplane. In an airplane. Well, That's yeah, how I They can actually it. turn into beds. So you can they can turn into beds. Yeah. Listen, the idea is great. I mean, well, it's a great idea. I'm not knocking the locker, engineering no, of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These no, kids are never going to leave. But, like, the, you make up the point, Brent. Like, if you're choosing between Alabama and LSU, is, you know, whatever, Jimmy going to be like, well, Alabama's got the championships, but you know what? Beds in a locker room? I can get behind that. I'm going to LSU. Like, you, you just don't do that at all, man. Like, I mean, where is the line? And I, I don't want you to listen to a big soapbox rant where college students should be paid, but how much did you spend to get these air beds, basically, that can turn into lockers or turn into beds in your locker room? And then you mean to tell me you can't give it a college kid an extra couple, you know, grand uh, a month for to pay for bills and stuff? It's and that's just, the thing. Just like the Florida locker room, this one was privately funded by a donor. This isn't coming from the athletic budget. This is one donor saying, here's $5 million because I support this team. Go go nuts and make a crazy locker room. Yeah. Same thing happened with the Florida one. Must be nice. You know, we need yeah. to find some donors for ESPN yeah. 690. Can we get an ESPN 690 donor? If, if I don't have a TV in here by the time Shark Week starts next week, uh, <laughs> there's going to be some problems. Just want to let you know that right now. Well, listen, the – okay – if you if you want to pay players and have the donor come in and say I'll cover five million dollars to there pay all go. the players. Yep. Yeah. I mean you could do that too. It, they do already. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, you're no, right. we're about to get shut down. Uh, sure. <laughs>
Yeah, actually, you're, you're probably right. Um, I think... I think this was a little ridiculous. You know, I think we're getting to a ridiculous stage of it. And... I mean, do we really need it? But here's the like, problem, Do we Brent? really need it? We live in a society where someone's going to try to one-up LSU now. Because, oh, oh, absolutely. because that's the way it is. Mean, LSU cares. did this three days after Florida yeah. tweeted yeah. their new locker room. And it's only going to get worse and worse and worse because that's the, the state of the economy that we're living in where you got, always got to one-up each other. you got to show something off. Yeah, especially with these big-time programs. A lot of money coming in, so a lot of money can go out. Uh, I'll, I'll share some of the responses. We'll get into a little bit more on the other side of this break. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, you can watch us on Facebook, on Twitter, and Periscope, on YouTube, our Action Sports Jacks channel. Numbers are growing. Go watch it there. And on Twitch as well. Uh, I don't know if the numbers are growing on Twitch. It's because we're not playing enough video games on there. Yeah. We get some Kuzi's interesting characters off Twitch. <laughs> okay, yes, we do. Uh, numbers are growing everywhere else because everybody's amped up for football season, so we're ready to rock and roll. And I want to stay on the topic a little bit uh, more about the facilities arms race, which we know it is. And the interesting thing is the Gators have been behind in the facility arms race. Well, they're race. behind again now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Good luck catching up, right? Three days of uh, being ahead for a second. <laughs> yeah, and somebody else just tweeted me. I guess now they have uh, part of their – they hired an NFL chef as well, LSU did, uh, part of the $23 million renovations to another building. <laughs> Uh, I try playing D one double A ball, boys. You go to Culver's and Burger King and <laughs> McDonald's, and that's your chef. Culver's cool. pretty good. Culver's is oh, super Culver's makes right Northeast Florida. I haven't got here yet. I don't makes think. Makes me butter burger, man. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Starting Wisconsin. Shout out to Culver's. Don't go there if you're on a diet. Cool. What does that look for? I can't. Yeah, it was that's the diet comment was oh, what that well, looked yeah. like. <laughs> it's called the butter burger for a reason, but it's right. delicious. I, yeah. I did read, by the way, that new nutrition center for LSU is open to all student athletes. LSU, not just the football team. That's good. Uh, We were talking with Tyler Jordan on Friday about that, just the nutrition part of it, the sports psychologist part of it. It's just amazing how many people – listen, college football is run like the NFL. I mean, it is. The big-time college football. Mm -hmm. And and, like the overall part of this conversation is you have to remember that however many teams there are in football, Division I, FCS, FBS, most people can't do this. Correct. You know, I mean, heck, even in their own conferences, some can't do this. You know, we talked about Florida State is not like in rolling in the dough athletically. So they have to try to keep up. And what do you do? You either get in more debt or you figure out a way to get it sponsored and and supported, uh, which is half the challenge in in a lot of this stuff. But it's some of these schools, Alabama, the Clemsons of the world. I think Florida has the capability of being like that in terms of the dollars. They're not hurting for money. Uh, you know, you name it, Texas, we, we all know, and a lot of it's because of the TV deals, too. But Chuck Jr. says it's a business like the NFL now. It Boosters are willing to pay. It will continue. Jason Fryman, my only conclusion would be to entice kids on a visit. They have a nicer facility than some pro organizations. That is true. Uh, First Coast Bubbler, I saw a high school in Wisconsin drop a half a million on a locker room a couple years ago. I think that was the time to ask whether it was necessary or not. And I was talking to some folks in the Georgia, some Georgia high schools. Well, we know Camden County has a great locker room, or they did. I think it's still a good locker room. I don't know where it is in the standard of other locker rooms now. Not LSU. <laughs> it's not LSU. But there are some, like, they've they've got the ability to feed their high school athletes three meals a day. 
to almost they have their own like standalone football facilities in some of the high schools up in Georgia, I think. And, you know, they do in Texas. Uh, Cody says, looks like a bowling alley on Cosmic Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2D, Dalton Dixon 2 says, a, lar- a large portion of success in college football is recruiting. I get that. If the kids like it, it's important. You have thought name brand would carry them over the last decade, but success on the field and facilities had been a major issue for them. I think they're a perfect ex- example of it mattering. And I think that's a very good point. Florida tried to get away with not getting caught up in this arms race. And what did they do? They got passed by Alabama, Clemson, and I don't know if they've been passed by by LSU from a success standpoint, but they were passed by from a facility standpoint. That's one sure. of the biggest criticisms of Jeremy Foley on his way out is it, that he wasn't be keeping the only. up. Yeah, because, I mean, he hired championship coaches, but he didn't quite keep up those facilities where they're at now around the league. And you got to understand like, how a student-athlete works is the fact that you got to think about how much time you actually spend in those facilities. You know, I mean, you spend a lot of, especially in season, in those facilities. So if they're not to par or, or if someone's got a better facility, yeah, I mean, it's easy for a kid to be like, I want to go to the best that there is. The best way I can equate it, uh, I guess, from my college experience, is when I was at Ashland University, they built a new student center, right? And in that student center, it was it was nice, right? Anything new seems nice. Mm-hmm. It, it was a couple of levels. I mean, it wasn't anything crazy, but it was a couple of levels. Had ping pong tables and pool tables and like a room to – like some study rooms, but also some mess around rooms and um, – it was like, yeah, that's kind of the place you want to be, right? You either go there or if you want to go to a place where there's some hoops and some other things to hang out. So I get it. I mean, I get the draw. <laughs> I understand the draw, uh, no doubt. Carson Tinker jumps in on the conversation. Recruiting dude, got to go, got to outdo all the other schools every time. And where else are they going to spend all that money since they don't have to give it to the kids that earned it? And that's where it flips back into, yep. okay, there's a major imbalance in what we're doing facility wise maybe versus the investment in those kids that are actually bringing dollars to the schools that's the vicious cycle that is the ultimate debate right now in college athletics especially in big time basketball and big time football and i think darren rovell tweeted today i won't have the numbers exactly but he said the lifespan of a locker room like that is maybe 15 years Hmm. and over that lifespan he equated it to it would be like $23,000, I think it was, a year per football player. So his study was, would if you were a player, would you rather this facility while you were there on campus and playing for LSU, or would you rather a check for $92,000? It's a no-brainer. Right? It's got to be a no-brainer, right? I mean, unless you're a first-round pick coming out, which you don't know when you first get to campus, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. So I think... That, that's what spins out of all this. And, uh, it, you know, Tim says, meanwhile, LSU's academic buildings are falling apart. They're the one SEC school that gets more donations to their athletics than their academics. Well, well. bad priorities. Uh, well, I'm a sports guy. I don't know about that. But <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I mean, and let's be honest, Brent, you think the student athlete, like, coming out of high school is like, well, I hope LSU has a good, you know, business center, or, like a good business program for me. I mean, yeah, it sounds great to say those kind of things, but... You know, that's not really the case half the time. Some guys do that. They go to Vanderbilt. Yeah. <laughs> when you have those big <laughs> academic things, that's yeah. when you go to that. And on that point about the athletics and academics fundraising, it's two completely different arms. It is true. You know, like it you is. have an entire staff focused on one, an entire staff focused on the other. So it's kind of apples and oranges, if you ask me. Absolutely. Action Sports Jack Stewart Weber right there. Brett Bordeaux, Austin Lane coming back. Will Yannick Ngakwe report on Thursday? Should he... 
And if he gets a new deal, what will it look like? I'm going to present some options to you, the former player, next. Tim Duncan must be bored. Why can't people just retire? He's kind of young. He will be an assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs. He was doing kickboxing. Did you see those videos? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. A little tall for kickboxing, is he? Hey. I guess it's tough to hit him in the head. First of all, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I feel like you're never tall enough to be a kickboxer, but I'm sure it's probably slower to get those kicks moving. Who goes from pro team sports to combort sports anyways? Who does that? Com- combort? Combort, yeah. It's a word. It's a word, man. I do, man. Oh, you I do, yeah. 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 But well, you look like this when you come back, though. Yeah. Isn't that bad? I mean, not really. It could be worse. Yeah. You thought it was going to be worse. Be honest, that, that was going to be worse. I was After hoping it was going to be worse. <laughs> watching the beating? Yes, uh, yeah. I did. Uh, I was just so... I was just hoping he didn't get you in the vocal cords at all. That's what we got to worry oh, about. Oh, yeah. man. That could have been a bad news. Take like a couple weeks off. The, uh, we're talking about Austin's fight, which he won, of yeah. course, Saturday and, night. Stay undefeated. And, and as I apologize, which I've done already uh, behind the microphone, but I apologize for my shorts as well because they were <laughs> short. They were religiously short, to say the <laughs> least, and I apologize in advance. Um, that's what happens when you order something from England uh, with, with, with the wrong size in mind, I guess. So, my bad, everybody. Short shorts. You probably won't see those things again. Did you or not? maybe you will. You I never know. I'm making a statement. Tallahassee, you're welcome. Did you not try them on until, well, like, yeah. day of? I mean, I tried them on before, and actually, you know, I've worked on them a little bit. They felt great, but I didn't take into account that they'd probably roll up if I went to the ground and scra- uh, gra- uh, grappled a little bit. And that's what happened. And, um, yeah, so much to the delight of my friends making fun of me and sending me a whole bunch of memes this morning. Uh, <laughs> probably aren't going to wear those fight shorts again. But you didn't notice while you were fighting, right? I had no idea. Yeah, okay, I okay. had no idea until I checked my cell phone. I saw all the memes that my friends made. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> those are pretty aggressive shorts there. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Jack Del Real tweeted recently, congrats on the win. Yeah. So uh, he did that today. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I did expect it to be a little bit worse. You got a shiner on the right eye especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, not I can't see the left eye as much, but you kind of look like me when I wake up was, in the morning right now. That's what you look like. It was funny, man. So I, I ended up seeing my opponent because it was like an after party. So we went to go watch the big boxing match, the Manny Pacquiao oh, okay. uh, Thurman match I, I talked about on Thursday. You did. Ended up being pretty good. But I saw my opponent, Cam Graham, there, and uh, he was sitting in the corner. I said, what's up to him? He was like, man. F you. I'm like, what's up? He's like, man, I, I can't eat these wings. Like, I'm so hungry. But, like, my mouth's all jacked up, so I can't chew. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, man, my eyes all messed up, so it is what it is, you know. Gosh, I mean, it's so, that's the part that's bizarre to me. Like, it's it, the friendliness after? It, 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 well, yeah. I, can, I can really get the respect level. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there are some guys, as we talk about, that, that just hate each other. Yeah. You know, and the, and the war builds, and, you know, that you, you never go into, like, you don't even want to shake hands. Oh, it but, happens all the time. But in sports in general, seriously, if I just lost to somebody that night, I don't want to see. I wouldn't want to see him. I don't care if I'm best friends with him, right? I mean, going back in high school. Yeah. But I think it's it, what trumps that in your sport and maybe in all combat sports is just that mutual respect. It kind of what we talk about a lot of times after an NFL game. Like fans can't get that. They don't understand that. They don't like that. Yeah. They don't like seeing if you lost the game to. The Houston Texans, they don't want to see you smiling with J.J. Watt on camera 30 seconds after the game. But I think it's more of, hey, we respect – this is such a violent game. We respect the fact 
that you just did it, we just did it, and we're able to shake hands after the game, swap jerseys, whatever it might be. But it's uh, yeah. something that's very hard for fans to grasp. No, I understand that. At the same time, I think it helps because it's kind of an individual sport. Like, yes, you have your coaches, you have your teammates, but when you're in the cage, you're kind of acting on um, instinct. You know, you're acting on what you think you should do. So if you give everything you've got, and it, you know, and I know he did, and he kind of gassed out at the end, um, it's hard to hang your head. You know, so I think that kind of goes into it sometimes too, where it's like, man, I did everything I could. I just didn't have it tonight. He was the better guy. Um, and when you say that, you know, I mean, there's nothing but respect there. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a there's a few instances like the the Jorge Maz, but all went with the flying knee, yeah. where he knocked out Ben Askren. I mean, he said he would fight him again at Whole Foods. So the, the, there's sometimes where there's always bad blood. They're but, not going to hang out at the after party. <laughs> no, but no. 99% usually the guys have respect for each other after the fight. Yeah, no, um, no doubt. Cam Graham wanted some wings. I mean, he was weighing in at 288. So I wanted some. I think we all wanted wings, but like I told you, after the fight, I'm hungry, man. I'm very hungry. So now, to go along him. with those wings, how about a little Vita de Louis uh, on, on the weekend? I'm sure Coos had plenty of that at the wedding. Uh, it's happy hour one time. First of all, I want to give a shout-out to my boy, Marcel <laughs> Robinson, man, who uh, you worked hard held at down that. the fort for me while I was gone. Very proud he of you. He took his own video of that I, while he was doing it. Oh, I saw it. Yeah, I mean, hence why I knew he did it, because I saw what it on Twitter. What a Marcel thing to do. Yeah, I know. He practiced um, Very Marcel it. thing, but grab a drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. Locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico, and shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Luis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit Vita de Luis dot com and again 94 recent rating for Vita de Luis. those guys are having a good time at the Rolling Stones concert in uh, uh, the parking lot lot J before with the little tailgate and uh, go meet up with some folks from Vita de Luis and check them out on Vita de Luis dot com and was Marcel like was it he was doing a read or was he doing like a TED talk to motivate people because it kind of went off the I mean listen I'm proud of the guy but I thought it was like a TED Talk to really inspire people for a second. I think he was trying to be inspirational. Okay. Uh, which, good luck. <laughs> uh, we mentioned uh, Damn, the Spurs uh, hired Tim Duncan as an assistant coach. The quote is great, right? It is only fitting that after I served loyally for 19 years as Tim Duncan's assistant, that he returns the favor, Greg Popovich said. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, Pop's pretty good. Uh, Tim Duncan going to be a head coach? Will he take over? I mean, can he do whatever the heck he wants? He's Tim Duncan in the Spurs organization. He's the big if he wants to take over in like two years, he probably could. Hey, Bob, I mean, I just it depends on what Pop's going to do, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. When it's done, whatever it's yeah. done, Popovich is that is getting close, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, I thought he was done like yeah. when but Tim Duncan retired. Is Tim Duncan physically capable of yelling at somebody though? Like, I don't know if he's got it in him, honestly. Yeah. What if all three he's of them came guy. back? Like Ginobili, Parker, and Tim Duncan, just like. Three head coaches. Man. Because they can all come back and be Becky Hammond's assistants. That's a good point. There's a lot of stuff brewing with the Spurs. Good point, too, with Becky Hammond. All right. Yannick Ngakwe. Willie report this week. Um, If he gets. Is he getting paid? Okay, answer this question. Is he getting paid this week? Um. Uh, 
Because <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's well, that, that that's your answer. answer. I mean, so if he doesn't get paid, you don't think he reports? No, report. he's not showing up if he doesn't get paid. Oh, I mean, he, he might show up to the facility, but he's not going to step foot in the practice field. I think. I'm the same idea for me. Yeah, he needs to get paid before he comes back. He's, you know, he's put it out there that hey, let's let's do this. Let's go. Um, cryptic tweets and all. <laughs> it's been a lot of tweets. I kind of feel like I think I said this on Friday. I was getting the feeling, and I still have the feeling that he'll be there with or without a contract. And I think uh, and let me ask you guys this part: if he doesn't have a contract signed, mm-hmm. but they're kind of close on one. Or it's heading that direction. Is that reason to get on the football field or reason to stay off the football field? I, I need to see that money in my bank account before I go on the, on the field. Because, knock on wood, like we always do, but there's always chance for an injury, Brent. And you hear these horror stories every single year, whether it's the Chargers or whether it's some other team where, you know, sometimes star players do get hurt. And if I'm Yannick Ngakwe, yes, I'm confident in my abilities and I'm not worried about injuries. But at the same time, I'm getting paid for my services to be the leader of that defensive line. By the way, another tweet out about Yannick Ngakwe. The three players with the most QB pressure since 2016 won't surprise you, but number four and five might. Underrated pass rushers uh, Yannick Ngakwe and Geno Atkins ranked fourth and fifth. So most QB pressure since 2016. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Khalil Mack, then Yannick Ngakwe with 161 of them. One behind Khalil Mack. Yeah, not surprised. Are you going to give me some numbers of... uh Contracts here, so I can. I am going to shut these all down uh, and get the big bucks. You know, we have talked a lot about Yannick Ngakwe, but there's one thing I think I've missed in the Yannick uh, storyline. Okay. And let me ask you if this if this is what's given anybody pause about it, or could it prevent it from getting done? Yannick Ngakwe, I think, is 29 and a half sacks in his career. Yeah. For the Jacks, nine and a half of those last year. Nine and a half. A lot of guys had more than nine and a half sacks. Last year. True. How many pressures did he have, though? He had 25 tackles last year. Okay. Does that say anything about – it kind of goes all the way back to, like, the run game stuff a, a little yeah. bit. But 25 tackles doesn't sound like a lot to me. No, which it's really not a high number. You're right with that. Uh, so does uh, – uh, is this a bad way to say it? But just from a – if we're ranking defensive ends and pass rushers and, and we're going to start comparing the Frank Clarks and the DeMarcus Lawrences and the Von Millers and the guys that are on that list that I just gave you of uh, um, pressures, mm-hmm. does that devalue – does that knock him down some notches because he's only got 20-plus tackles? And he's coming off a year where he only had nine-plus sacks, even though through the course – you know, he's and now in his career, he's got 29.5, which is a nice number. That's the number we keep throwing out there. Yeah. That's a very productive number through three years of your career. But, I mean, 9.5 sacks is nice, but that's like Dante Fowler kind of numbers, and nobody was going to throw five years $100 million at Dante Fowler. How many pressures did he have last year? I mean, I, I know you probably don't have the number. Of, but I, I, I don't but, have but, it. But I won't assume it's a lot because you said – I think said, hits and pressures, he's numbers. always been pretty good. Yeah, and you, you gave the numbers where he was fourth, you said? He was uh, fourth on that list. Yeah. So even so, if you break it down and divide, that would be like you know fifty pressures yeah. in, in a year. Listen, sacks are the big number when you're defensive end, hands down. I mean, if if you have over ten uh, sacks, you're going to make some money. Hands, I mean, that's just the way it is. That's the way the world works. There's death taxes, and if you get over ten sacks, you're making money, hands down. But pressures are also important, and and Gakwe also has those in spades because you think about pressures. That's when the fumbles can happen. That's when the interceptions can happen, and that's when turnovers can get caused. So from the pressures perspective. You have to like Ngakwe's chances there as well um, to get compensated for those. Now, 
getting to, I guess, to the run game a little bit and the lack of tackles, I mean, that could come from a, a different amount of reasons. Um, number one, it, it's a pass happy league now. Mm-hmm. I think that we've saw, we've seen a decline in running the ball. I also think we've seen a decline in running the ball on the outside. I think, uh, traditionally where you used to see like a lot of toss cracks and things like that where the nine technique would be involved in, um, turning everything back and, uh, making those tackles. You don't see that as much now. You know, I don't know the, the exact, the Jaguars philosophy, you know, top to bottom, but one would assume it's Ngakwe's job to keep everything bottled, uh, on the inside. So. I think I looked at the Jaguars' run defense last year. I think it was okay, could have been better, but that doesn't directly fall on Ngakwe, though, either. For a little bit of context uh, in the uh, tackled numbers, uh, I looked up the four other guys in that list. Uh, Von Miller had 48 tackles last year. Okay. Uh, Khalil Mack had 47, which was low. He'd had 70s his first four years in the league. Uh, Geno Atkins had 45, and Aaron Donald had 59. I was going to say, no, G- he'd have more. Well, and Geno Atkins is playing a three technique. Yeah, and, yeah. And, that's a different little and difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but and it's a guy that I've been very adamant. The guy's a game record. Yeah, he's an underrated good. player. Very underrated so player. So, yes, yeah. the number is lower for Yannick Ngakwe, but it's by like two a game. I mean, if you're looking at it that way. It, yeah. Well, I, I, what I was really getting to is, like, you know, we've had these conversations. Does it show he's a little bit light in the run game? Yeah. But where other guys are not. So, if you compare, again, we want to get to 100 million. We're trying to compare apples to apples. Yeah. You got to break it all down. Yes, you do. Because the sacks are pretty similar, right? The Frank yeah. Clark, the Marcus Lawrence numbers. Yeah. We've all talked about those. He those has numbers the are similar. as well. He gets to the quarterback. He's proven that. But the D Ford's, D Ford's numbers were a little different, and that's why that contract was lower. When we come back, 41 for Frank Clark last year. For Frank Clark. Uh, when we come back, you're the agent, Weber. So stay with us. Okay. You're Yannick Ngakwe. Oh, I can't Lane. wait. And you're about to get paid. Yep. And I'm putting three offers on the table. Which one are you going to take? Let's or do it. will you not take any? That's next on ESPN 690. Mm-hmm. This is your favorite one. It is, man. Every time I freestyle something new with it. But I'm, I got my mind on money right now more than freestyling some country Yeah, music. I've got some money I proposals. I have some mind on some money right now. I'm trying to do quick math as I offer this money oh, to you. I'm sorry about that. The greatest thing is in the break, I'm, uh, Austin says, I wish you would have given me a heads up. Thanks for the heads up. Yeah, I, was like, well, I just want you to pick this. one. And, and he's like, and, <laughs> Stuart says, well, I'm not an agent. At yeah. least you're a former defensive end <laughs> in the NFL. <laughs> all right, man. You, Stuart, you have to give me the best deal here, all right? Hey, I'm getting 10%, so I'm going to get you the best deal. Okay. You better believe we're, it. We're a team here. We're a team. <laughs> That's how this works. Give me the show, me how, show me how Florida does their sports agency uh, teaching there. All right. Sounds good. Uh, one thing I want to remind folks about, uh, make sure you sign up on ActionSportsJacksDream18.com for the upcoming Action Sports Jacks Dream 18, September 16th at the Golf Club at Southampton. Uh, we'll raise money for North Florida Junior Golf Foundation and for St. Michael's Soldiers. be a lot of fun. Cadillac, once again, our title sponsor. Uh, we appreciate their support, and we'll be out there for a great day you know it's really a sports celebration now we have the shrimp and the jaguars and i think the Icemen are going to come back and you can hit a golf ball with a hockey stick which is fun like the that. jacksonville giants uh who am i missing um jacksonville sharks uh unf and ju hopefully uh they were all participated last year so we made it like a sports celebration jacksonville armada i said who am i missing going off the cuff here anybody else 
I think that's about everybody. Is that everybody? Hey, don't ask me. Uh, World Golf Hall of Fame. <laughs> World Golf Hall of Fame's out there. So kind of like we've made it into a little bit of a sports celebration. Cool. This isn't this isn't about raising like millions of dollars, but we like to have a good day, fun day, raise a nice chunk of money for charity as well. We should go over the one hundred thousand dollar mark. That's speaking awesome. of dollars. And plus it's for it's for a great cause. It's not going to some somebody's locker room, so yeah, it's good stuff. That's true. Yeah. And and maybe if Yannick signs his deal, he can give us a little donation. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a TV, Yannick. I'm trying to watch Shark Week next week, man. Man, I don't ask for much, man. Hear, hear my prayers. Thank you. you. The Jaguars, by the way, one of those that will be there. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yes. You'll be on the short list uh, for your Yannick's request oh, I, list. Oh, I've had his back how many times on this show? <laughs> About to have his back again, I have a feeling. We'll see. Uh, why can't I do? Okay, that's 18.8. 18.8 times four. Hold on. I'm going to make you guys an offer in a second. Okay, Stuart, so are you ready for this, man? Have, have you gone over some numbers and you've done some research trying to get me paid? No, I'm just going to pick one. Fired, man. Yeah. Fired. That's You're fired. Of- Cool, how this here. works. New agent. Look, I, I got like 10 I'm other. I'm taking the first offer. <laughs> I, I got like 10 other clients, Austin. So, oh, you know. okay. All right. You ready? Okay. Yeah, we're ready. We are ready. And you're playing the role of Dave Caldwell here, Brent? Uh, who do you prefer me to be, Caldwell or Coughlin? Uh, Caldwell, please. <laughs> are you calling Caldwell soft? Uh, like, I'm, I'm taking Caldwell. I'm taking Caldwell, please. I don't want to deal with Caldwell. I don't want to deal with him any You're probably the, the money guy. Isn't there like a contract guy that like... Yeah, actually, John Idzik yeah, helps do a lot of that stuff. Um, okay, so right, here's, here are my offers. Okay. Okay, you Dave. might want agent. You might want to do the per year totals. Okay. Let's see if I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm bad at math. And this is Austin Lane speaking, not Yannick and Gagoy speaking. <laughs> All you right. might be good. So what I have on the table? Yes, I'm presenting three five year deals. Mm, well, that's that's long term. I like that. Right? I like that. Yeah. Well, really, no. I'm presenting two: one five year deal and one four year deal. Okay. But I have on the table three five year deals. The top one is what Frank Clark got. Okay. The lower one is what D Ford got. I've heard of him too as well. Okay. So my Jumped offer for yeah. five years yes. is the third number on this list, and then I have a four year one because I want. Is it beneficial to a player at all? to sign maybe a shorter deal and get him in his prime, still in his prime, to hit the free agent market again and kind of do what Calais Campbell did yeah. and hit another big contract. Stuart, I want money, man. I want more big contracts. Keep, you know what I'm saying? Mind, Especially with the CBA coming out. We don't know what's going to happen. Keep in mind, Yannick's only 24 show, show years old. Money. I'm 24 years old, dude. Show you Plenty of years left. So if Yannick's a free agent again, say 28 and a half years old, yeah. maybe he hits it big again. Dude, I'm only 24 years old. You see my work ethic. Stuart, give me a good deal here. What I'm not sure about is on my four-year deal, the guaranteed money, but I think it's in the ballpark. Okay. All right. So here we are. All right. Let's, uh, so at the top of the list. Let's discuss here. I love how these microphones can extend all the so way over So at here. the top of my list here is Frank Clark's deal. That's five years, $105 million, 63 guaranteed. Mm. Okay. That's with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Yes. At the second deal is D Ford. Five years, $85 million, $33 million guaranteed. Mm. My proposal is five years, $94 million. Forty-five million guaranteed, and that's who? That's Demarcus Lawrence. That's just nobody. No, that's, that's, that's your it's offer, offer, offer for you. <clears throat> five years, ninety-four million, forty-five guaranteed. Or Interesting. Four years, seventy-five million, thirty-five million guaranteed. Okay, uh, Stuart, let's talk off the grid so uh, yeah. Dave can't hear us here. Uh, so, are we calling you Stuart? Or are we calling you Agent. Cash Cash Money Weber? The agent. The agent. So the agent. Uh, Brent, can you put those numbers back up there? I'm sorry, Dave. You got uh, it. Uh, you know, so Frank Frank Clark, five years, $105 million, 63 guaranteed. 
What, what, were, what were his numbers compared to mine? Kind of similar, right? Very I similar. Think, hey, hey, Dave, I got a question for you. Are, are you worried about my off-the-field issues or anything? Like, are you worried about me being a distraction to the team? Are you worried about me, um, you know, living a, a rough lifestyle, per se? No. Because my client is a model role model. That's crazy. Now, you did get Clark, in a fight with Dante Fowler. Okay, well, he that's, had hey, that's got fine. Fight that, that's, a, that's a brother. That happens. Uh, Dave, so are you saying, would you rather have... Who else have you gotten in fights would with? You, <laughs> would you rather have Frank Clark, who... Had some domestic abuse allegations, oh uh, and he gets $105 million for being that type of person, and I've been a model Jacksonville Jaguar, and you're going to shortchange me for how much now? $94 million? million. So Frank Clark makes $10 more million, even though he's in a distraction off the field and has been in some personal problems, and we have the exact same stats. I may have more actual uh, pass rushing um, hits and QB hits and all that stuff. And he's making more money than me? Before we get to that last offer, which is already off the table. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. That's I, already I'm, off the I'm table. I'm not the agent, but I'm not taking the last offer. So get the four-year $75 million. Last offer's here. gone. Why well, don't you like it? Because it's, you think about it, where it's $75 million for four years. Well, if I go with the top offer, which it's I'm leading towards, of $105 million for five years, I like that better. Okay, but the uh, the per year is higher for the four years. But the guaranteed, sir. Yeah, the, the guaranteed uh, is compared to thirty-five million, compared to sixty-three million. All right, I got two words for you. Yes. One is optics, and the optics of a one hundred million dollar contract, a nine-figure contract, make it that much more than a ninety-nine million dollar contract. Preach. So I'm going to throw some optics at you there, mm. where my client here. The fantastic Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, I'm getting ready to tweet out some optics here. Real cryptic. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, tweet out optics. Optics. Tweet it out. Is worthy of a $100 million deal. The second word I have for you is inflation. Every mm. year, the numbers are going to go up. So to give us an offer lower than a comparable player kind of feels against the grain here. And these numbers have to keep going up as unstable for the economy as they may be. Okay, but are you going to then risk this season and try to get the money up, or are you going to get paid right now and whatever happens, happens? Do you want to speak for me, or should I answer yeah, this one? Yeah. By the way, Rick, I corrected you, with four years, $80 million, A little better. A little better. And 40 guaranteed. Especially with that CBA. You now, know what's I will say happen this. I'll give you a – here's a counter idea. I like now the idea, of course, of that four-year deal being that you can get to that bigger contract sooner. I'm thinking if we're going four years, eighty million dollars, let's bump that guaranteed up to fifty, and then we're feeling a little better about it. Yeah, I feel a little better with fifty million dollars guaranteed for four years. You're averaging I'm twenty have to ask a pop. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you're averaging twenty a pop, which puts you on the average that would be a one hundred million dollar contract, and you're getting more guaranteed money. Because you believe in my client right here, this fantastic player. Well, and Here's it puts the, you on the free eight again. What's the prime? The prime is more considered, I would say, 28 years old. You're more in your prime than even 29. I know it's only yeah. a difference of a year. Yeah. Yeah. But you are, you do have, again, Calais just got a big deal at 30, 30 years old, I think it was. Yeah. So not to say you can't get a big deal at He's 29. He's an outlier. But, I mean, for a defensive end, you can get a big deal. I mean, uh, several guys, uh, Julius Peppers did it. Oh, yeah. you know, and he will. Guys have done because it. Because after this four-year deal... 
He's probably going to sign a three-year deal and then get another big three-year deal after that. So, Mr. Carl, I got to ask you. So, you said maybe not paying me this year and waiting to see what happens. Uh, Mr. Caldwell, are you really banking on trying to bet against me here? Because you've seen my Twitter. I don't post anything funny. I'm strictly business. I'm strictly about the work. Hashtag I'm, optics. I'm strictly about you know getting better at my craft. And I feel like if you don't pay me right now, I would hate to see what that offer is going to look like when I get 13, 14 sacks like I know I'm capable of this year. Well, and, you know, I'm all for you betting on yourself. Sure. And the CBA will allow more cap space next year and will yes. likely free up more dollars next year. Mm. But does that $100 million mark mean that much to you? It absolutely does after other people got paid that much. But and what I, if you only have nine sacks again? And 23 tackles. That You're taking a leap of faith with me. It is what it is. If you compare my numbers right now to Flank Clark and Demarcus Lawrence, we have the exact same numbers, and I have not been an off-field distraction whatsoever. Demarcus Lawrence got popped for PEDs. I have not been popped for PEDs. I have not been arrested. I have been a model Jacksonville Jaguar. I have worked in the system. I've been a third-round pick, and I am the leader on the defensive line. And I need one more caveat added to this new contract. If you could include the plane ride from Jacksonville to Canton, because you're going to have to book that with my client right here That's what I'm down saying. the road. You better believe it. I've got to uh, talk to Tom Coughlin about this. And or Go ahead and try to get let Austin Lane play tight end, too. I heard he's pretty good at tight end. Or I have to talk to Stone Garrett from the Jumbo Shrimp coming up next. <laughs> <laughs> That's a segue. What's <laughs> well, uh, my client? Am I getting a deal here or what? We'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> it's on the table still. By the way, we'll talk one more, a little bit about it when we're done okay. uh, before the show. Yeah. But I will say this. My eyes are now on a Yannick deal. Okay. I said Labor Day. I think it might get done earlier. Okay. All right. Uh, when we come back, Stone Garrett, one of the stars for the Jumbo Shrimp. He's like a human highlight reel Do-do-do. on SportsCenter. It's next on ESPN 6.9. Now the 2-2. Slow curve is driven. High, deep in the air to left, and gone. That's just over the scoreboard. Stone Garrett with a two-run homer has made it 15-3. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp in the ninth. All right, I've been wanting to talk to this guy. Because every time I do a highlight on TV, CBS 47 and Fox 30, when I show a Jumbo Shrimp highlight, I tell you, I swear Stone Garrett's in it. Sure. He's been unbelievable. Human highlight reel. I mean, you'd think he uh, was hitting 600 and hit 50 home runs and makes 15. It feels that way. He's been so good at times uh, for the Jacksonville Jumbo Trip and so much so he was uh, this week's Southern League Player of the Week. He had the number one catch or number one play on SportsCenter. It was a home run robbing catch. He hit 571, a couple of homers, slug 905. And uh, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp playing really good baseball. They start a 10-game homestand tonight at Bragan Field at the baseball ground, 7 o'clock. Hopefully the weather uh, holds off and the Jumbo Shrimp remain hot. So let's welcome in Stone Garrett to ESPN 690. Brett Martin along with former Jags player Austin Lane. Hey, man, congratulations on a great week. Thanks for taking some time. Thank you. How's it going? Uh, it's going fantastic, but not as good as you. <laughs> uh, what's what's it like to be in a little bit of a groove right now? I mean, the team's playing really well lately, so uh, all the players, you know, we're all in a groove, playing really well. So it's easy when I have guys on base to knock in, and it makes me look like a really good baseball player. When I mean, it's the whole team, to be honest. You know, when you play baseball, you you. Sometimes you practice the catches against the fence when you play, you're an outfielder, and you kind of just hope somebody 
you envision when you're sitting out there and sometimes play can be a little slow and you're like, gosh, I hope someone hits one right at the track and I can leap up and try to grab one. I feel like that happens every series for you now. Right. When you're a kid, you think about it all the time. But as you get older, you're like, man, what are the chances of this actually going to happen? And uh, it's happened twice this year, which is crazy. And just, I mean, at the, uh, the fence at the right time and uh, happen to come down with it. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, Stone Garrett from the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp with us. Uh, how's this year in general gone for you? I know you guys got off to a sluggish start as a team and now have turned it around, which is great. But how has it been just this this whole ride in, in minor league baseball can be a grind? And you go through the ups and downs. Uh, you look comfortable. You, you, I'm sure you feel more comfortable as this thing goes along. Uh, describe your year for us uh, in your words. Yeah, it's been a grind. Um, it's a lot easier when you're playing here in Jacksonville. Great atmosphere, great crowds every night. Doesn't matter uh, if it's a Monday or Saturday night or even a Thursday, Thursday, which is great. Um, you know, started the year off pretty slow, started to heat up, and uh, as of right now, I'm where I want to be uh, at the plate defensively. Like I said, uh, playing really well right now. So is the team. So that's that's always a good thing. So when you talk about. Pl- I'm sorry, this is Austin Lane, by the way. How you doing, man? Doing great. Doing great. So. Uh... You mentioned playing in Jacksonville. You know, it kind of feels at home and everything, and it's going well. You spent some time, and this, this, you're the second athlete on the show today who spent some time playing sports in Australia. I didn't know Australia had baseball. What was that experience like playing uh, down under, if you will? Yeah, I didn't know Australia had baseball until about like three months before I went. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had a teammate that played over there. He's like, man, it's fun. You should try it out, and it's going to be like the summer, so you don't have to go through a winter in Houston. Uh, during November, December, January. So it's like, I mean, it's awesome. There's six teams over there. Actually, there's eight now. There's another team in New Zealand, and there's another one over there in Australia. And uh, it was pretty fun uh, to travel all the main cities, play uh, uh, pretty good competition. You know, there's some extra major, major leaguers over there and a lot of minor league guys, as well as a lot of native Australian players. So it's it's decent competition, and it just makes you, uh, you make up for games that you miss. During the minor league season, I had a hand injury that year, so I made up some missed games, and it was a it was a great overall experience. And, and as far as like the fan support over there, I mean, are, are they kind of baseball crazy in Australia? Or is it a little more low key? Uh, it's a little more low key, but I mean, there's there's good turnouts for the the crowds. Uh, they get pretty rowdy over there. I don't know if you've ever been to Australia, but those Australians can get pretty rowdy. So it, it's a great atmosphere. Stone, he hasn't been to Australia, but it sounds like he wants to go. This is like the fourth question about Australia, so I guess we got to hook on with a travel agent. Hey, I'm just uh, Australian baseball. I was curious, man. <laughs> no, it's a great man, it's, it's you a, go, yeah. Sydney, <laughs> Australia is the place to be. <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, that's that's pretty cool stuff. I yeah. agree with you. I, I think I know a decent amount about baseball, but didn't know about baseball in Australia. You're from Sugarland, Texas, uh, 227th overall selection in 2014 draft. Like I said, it can be a grind, man. We're in 2019. You're in double-A ball. How patient do you have to be as you make that climb to the ultimate promised land, at least you hope, in the big leagues? Yeah, it's a grind, um, and you you got to be patient, but at the same time, you got to be putting in the work to make it happen. Uh, we were joking around last year, like or a couple days ago, talking about how last year was our first year, but you can only say that one year, and we've been in it for six years now. Yeah. So it goes by in the blink of an eye, and uh, you just want to make the most of your opportunity. Absolutely. Stone Garrett with us. All right. When you made uh, Sports Center top play, I'm sure you got uh, a lot of texts and, and people calling you. What was the reaction like? Yeah. So when I made that play, the guy that hit it, actually, I worked out with him all offseason. So he's a good friend. 
And uh, he was the first one to text me. He said, you owe me dinner. I said, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. But I got a lot of texts, and that was awesome. Um, I actually thought the one I made the first time, it was like number three or four, was harder than that one. But uh, it's whatever. Um, just great to have the opportunity. I mean, to be on Sports Center, you always watch Sports Center growing up, and to be on there is it's awesome. You know, Stone, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with you. I actually thought the other one that you made was uh, was probably a harder play. Um, right, yeah, uh, it definitely was. Yeah, so I mean, both great plays, but I thought it was a harder play. Uh, have you always been? I, again, I, you heard my introduction. When we do TV highlights of the shrimp, I feel like you're all over them. Uh, and have you always been kind of that guy, kind of like a highlight guy, the clutch guy, likes the likes the big spot? Uh, not really. I mean, I just try to compete. Uh, you know, make catches for the pitchers when I can, and you know, when I'm at the play and it's a quote-unquote clutch situation try to, you know, compete for the team and drive runs in. So I guess I've just been in the right spot at the right time this season. Stone Garrett with us from the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. They play tonight, 7 o'clock, start of a 10-game homestand, so make sure you get out to Bragan Field. The baseball ground's always a fantastic place uh, to watch a baseball game. Shrimp playing good ball. How, how much does a playoff push matter to the guys? I know it's it can be uh, – you have to worry about yourself a lot in minor leagues and trying to do your job, but how much uh, is there a team aspect to this and trying to, trying to make a postseason push? Oh, we want it pretty bad. Um, yeah, it, it, we want it pretty bad. Some teams, you know, guys just want to go home, but we're having fun in the clubhouse, having fun on the field, and we want to be in the playoffs. We want to win the whole thing. All right, last question for you. Uh, how many times do your buddies back home or whatever be like, you really play for the Jumbo Shrimp? <laughs> yeah, they, they always give me, you know, mess about it, but I, I like the name and I like the colors. I like it better than the Suns. I like the colors better than the Suns, so. I mean, I'm like, guys, y'all don't like this name? Like, is, is it just me that likes it? You know, I feel like a dad that wears sandals out, and he he likes them, but, you know, the kids <laughs> don't. Straight out of Brent Martineau's playbook right there. <laughs> yeah, Stone Garrett, 23 years old, by the way, so he's a young guy. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, speaking of, you're right. They just came out with a new lid. you got to check out, like, the pro shop, yeah. the, the blue one where it says 904 on it. Oh, it has the city sky, like, the outline the of it? Oh, yeah, I already saw that. It's yeah, sweet. trust me. In I already fact, tried to order it. It's sold fact, out. Jumbo Shrimp, why don't we have one in the studio That's here? what I'm we saying. We put it on display. I'll take two. Maybe we want one autographed by Stone Garrett. I like it. That's the way to get it. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, good luck tonight. Uh, we're hitting in the lineup. Uh, I am fourth tonight. Clean up. All right. Clean up spot in the lineup. Uh, good luck tonight. We appreciate you taking a couple minutes uh, just an hour before the game. All right. You guys have a good one. All you right. too. Thank you. Stone Garrett uh, for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Nice guy. Yeah. And uh, fantastic uh, highlight reel kind of player for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Go watch him uh, for the next uh, 10 days here at home as a Jumbo Shrimp are on a big home stand as we uh, finish off July and head into the month of August. We'll finish off the show here on a Monday of football season getting underway. Quarterbacks, rookies report. Next up, the veterans on Wednesday, and they hit the field on Thursday. A couple final thoughts about some football and the Jaguars as we put a bow on the show here on a Monday on Action Sports Jacks, ESPN 690. All right, welcome back. One more segment to go and a lot to get to. We want to get back to the Jaguars running back talk because all the homework Austin did, uh, and he's got a little to wrap up on that thought. He's got a deal to take or not take. It's on the table. Five years, $94 million, or four years, uh, roughly $80 million. Might be like 79.99. Does he want the deal or does he bet on himself and wait? 
And we're talking about Yannick Ngakwe's situation. So Austin Lane is playing Yannick Ngakwe in this role yes. uh, with an offer from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, from me. Yeah. Um, and, and so we're trying to get I in the I feel game. like my agent, Stuart Weber, should be back here to help me out. <laughs> he <laughs> left now you. by myself. He went just, to do TV. Just what you wanted. Yeah. He, he went to uh, take care of another client. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. I'm by myself on this. Uh, but before we get to that, stay yeah. in your lane. Stay in your lane. So... Uh, cruise control is going out to Manny Pacquiao. Uh, over this past weekend, Pacquiao fought Keith one time Thurman, and we saw a Pacquiao that, to be frank, we haven't seen in a while. Um, he came out aggressive, actually knocked Thurman down, much to everybody's surprise in the first round, and then really didn't let, let up off the gas after that. Um, it went to a split decision, one that I thought Keith Thurman was going to win because boxing is corrupt, and I figured, well, Keith Thurman's kind of the young upstart. He's undefeated. They're going to give him the win even though Pacquiao deserved it. And guess what? Boxing got this one right. Pacquiao clearly won that fight, and they did the right thing in rewarding him the, the decision, even though it was a split decision, but he still got awarded the decision. So props to Manny Pacquiao. I never thought I'd say this, but it's almost like he's found like a new, uh, a new sense of fighting. He's got a new motivation, whatever that is, but it's the, it's the aggressive Pacquiao of old. And the reason why I, th- I thought I'd never say this again, because I think honestly, the only fight that makes sense going forward with his age, he's in his forties now is a Floyd Mayweather rematch. Um, I think that if the Pacquiao comes out that, that fought Keith Thurman and keeps the pressure on Floyd, I think Floyd may be in trouble. So we'll see what happens going forward. You know, Floyd's all about making money, but he's also about protecting that record. Uh, I'm curious to think what he thinks about Manny going forward, but I think the Manny-Floyd fight would be interesting, to say the least. All right, what's it mean for boxing overall? I mean, it doesn't mean much. I mean, uh, to, you to know, me it says you can, 40-year-old guy. So you, you can take it one or two ways. You had Keith Thurman, who was the young guy, who uh, came in with all the power where one shot is all it took to knock somebody out. Thurman didn't land that punch. And Thurman being the younger guy, I think the thought was, well, he would beat Pacquiao, and that would put him on the map because he's the guy that beat Pacquiao. Pacquiao is the household name. Well, all of a sudden, Keith Thurman gets beat in a pretty handed decision, and now everyone's talking about Manny Pacquiao again. So what does it do for boxing? Uh, You know, not much because I don't feel like – there's not a lot of guys out there for Pacquiao to keep on fighting, especially at his career. He's going to take smart fights because he wants to get paid. So he's not going to fight some young upstart, I feel like, again, and like try to give him a shot. I think the only logical match is for Floyd. And if that's the case, that's going to help boxing. Remind me, Pacquiao, did, did he go broke or something? Does he need this money? No. So Pacquiao is kind of a weird deal. He's uh, He's a big politician. Yeah. Uh, too. Yeah. So he doesn't need the money. I think it's just for his love of fighting. Crazy. You know, it's it's in his blood, and uh, he's back with his trainer, Freddie Roach, who's one of the best trainers yeah. to ever do it. So I think he just he's found a new sense of of fighting for whatever motivation it is, and you can tell the way he's in the ring now. All right, pump your brakes. Pump your brakes. Going to parenting advice. Oh boy. Hey, good morning, America. Check this audio out. Bad parenting. His daughter almost broke her arm. NFL should consider punishment, one user wrote. Another saying, not the smartest move. She could have been hurt. Next time, wait to make sure she's jumping too. Even Brady's celebrity friends chimed in. You know I have complete faith in you as a man, friend, player, and father, but this just gave me anxiety. Dwayne Johnson wrote okay, that. Just, while just, Diddy I, I can't hear anymore. Oh, yeah, and, and Diddy added a crying face emoji. Fantastic. Uh... 
Hard so, hitting. So, yeah, to kind of set the scene real quick, this was Slow weekend. on Good Morning Good America morning, this morning. Um, Tom Brady took his kids, uh, it looked like, to a lake, and they jumped off yeah, a, you cliff. know, you say cliff like it's a cliff diving. You're watching, like, on Fox Sports 1 at 2 o'clock in the cliff. morning. It was, it was Whatever it was, I mean, I don't think it was that dangerous. Like, listen, we're talking about a guy who can distinguish between a man coverage and a cover three <laughs> coverage in the span of two seconds. I think he makes good decisions when it comes to his kids. His daughter was never in danger. Well, he made a bad decision. He shouldn't have posted it. Well, but that's the thing, too. Like, if she was really, like, shaken up, he wouldn't have posted the video, I feel like. And good morning, America. How about we don't put out tweets from Buffalo Bills fans? Because if you saw the video, it was a guy wearing a Bills hat saying he should be suspended. But, of course, he would say that. So, listen, I, I think Tom Brady is just out there being a dad, doing the best he can. The guy didn't do anything wrong. Get off the guy's back. And everybody... Pump your brakes when it comes see. to parenting I'm advice. I'm glad you brought that up. I saw the, all the reaction. It's funny. This it's, is why celebrities, by the way, don't talk or don't do that stuff. Yeah. Like, put it out there. Yeah. And Brady in the last year has become a little bit more out there. You know, no, he's, yes. he's got on Twitter and he's been a little more active. And yeah. He's always had the Facebook thing going. You know, he mm-hmm. did the series, but he also, I think every week he tweets like a motivational thing, like yeah. he even does a pump up hype video. Um, so it's not like he hasn't been active, but I think the family part has been out of it. And yeah. now he's a little more. Uh, active and all and now this might shut him down <laughs> yeah i mean it's so much for being transparent i think he's going back to whatever stop judging people being well, a my hermit. favorite part of that when i read all this stuff the one bad the, not one but the real bad thing in my estimation of twitter yeah. is the self-righteous nature of it oh no it's like come on lot like of, you want me to try of, okay <laughs> you, like the person who tweets that and has a problem with brady yeah you know and his parenting well let's Talk about your parents. A lot of all-star parents out there. <laughs> a lot of, hey, you know what? At least the next generation of kids is going to be top-notch because all these self-righteous parents, I guess, know what they're doing. Yeah. So I can't wait for the next generation. We're going to be in great hands. Might be the worst part of social media, that part of it. That's self Of, oh, of yeah. all things, not just on parenting, but on uh, everything. It's the entitlement, yeah. But they don't... Uh Again, if we investigated the people tweeting it, Dude, every, it would be ugly. Yeah. I mean, it's it, the fact that I had to bring it up is ridiculous, but right. I had to give some shutouts. Um, real quick, uh, running back. Yeah, so, we so, got three minutes. Yep, so number eight on the list, the last team on the list was the New Orleans Saints, which I thought was a little surprising because I thought their offense was a little better than number eight. Just to get but into this, this Alvin, is uh, you talking about a change of pace back for oh, the Jaguars yeah, yeah, exactly. and comparing the top eight offenses yeah. who all had them, or pretty much all had so them. So what do they all have in common? Set aside from the Buccaneers who just relied on Peyton Barber, they all had a change of pace back at some point during the season. Uh, so the top eight offenses, seven of them had a change of pace back. When I see the Jacksonville Jaguars, I do not see the change of pace back. I think Alfred Blue um, is going to be the number two quarterback, uh, number two back going in to training camp, and I think he's going to stay there pending any injury or anything like that. But with Alfred Blue, and we've had you know Texans reporters on before, and they've said the same thing, where he may not be uh, an elite player in any category. He's pretty solid in all categories. And I think if you want to change your pace back, you need a guy to be pretty elite when it comes to catching the ball out of the backfield. I'm not sure Alfred Blue can can provide that. And also with the fact that I don't think Thomas Rolls can provide that either, because if Thomas Rolls has one thing going for him, it's the fact that he just puts his head down and runs between the tackles. And then if you look at the draft this year, the big guy out of Temple, um, kind of like a Leonard Fournette kind of clone. And we were not really sure of how he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So there's a lot of question marks going forward right now with the Jets. 
Jaguars and the change of pace back. And if we go off last year's history, you need the change of pace back to be successful on offense. Well, we'll find out if they left the gaping hole or not with that and if it impacts games or if John Filippo can work around it. They felt like they didn't need to do it. Uh, we've seen fullback, no fullback. People, we, we saw fullback a couple years ago, and people argued you don't need a fullback. Yeah. So, I mean, they, you know, it, it can go both ways. Uh, I'll be interested to see how it works out. All right, 60 seconds left in the show. Here's the deal. Frank Clark has five years, $105 million. That's yep. the deal he got. D Ford, five years, $85 million. You are Yannick Ngakwe. I am Yannick I am Ngakwe. Dave Caldwell you or Tom Coughlin Caldwell. or the front office. I say I will give you five years, $94 million, or four years, $80 million. Are you taking either one or are you betting on yourself? Keep in mind now, as a franchise, you bet on yourself. I can franchise tag you next year or we reach a bigger deal after 2019. I I want what Frank Clark got. I want what Demarcus Lawrence got. And I'm a guy that hasn't been in trouble before. I'm the leader of this team. I want over $100 million. Or guess what? I'm starting to sit out. What do you think about that? I have the power. The sheep control the wolves okay the sheep outnumber the wolves and i'm taking over i want my money or i'm not playing what do you think about that shout out to Le'Veon bell antonio brown melvin gordon i see you guys out there i appreciate y'all well, sounds like these negotiations uh won't be wrapped up tonight all right josh allen good luck man hope you can do well <laughs> i'll see you Could on tv season. tonight part of my contract says i'll see you on tv tonight <laughs> cbs 47 and fox 30 for the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase it's a culture and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.